Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag3, whoever he is. Get your clothes, fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this is, is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true and international over depression. <laughs> Hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? I believe in the sand beneath my toes The beach gives a feeling and a deep feeling I believe in the faith that grows And the bow I coast can make Why are you guys making it easier for people to enter the country illegally? I believe we are. Why do you think we are? You guys sued to cut razor wire. So that the Border Patrol could actually do their jobs. Does razor wire work? Does razor wire work for what? Does it work for the Border Patrol to allow them to have the access they need to be able to better process people that are trying to get across the border? I don't think so. Shut up, bitch! Republicans like the issue, they don't want to solve it because solving it doesn't give them the issue. It doesn't, but it creates a lot of feelings among the electorate and that's why they're leaning into it, right? There's a reason why the fear mongering and the language keeps getting more aggressive. Now, if you're the Republican party, you're you're allegedly the party of laws and order and you're essentially telling local authorities to break the law. That's where we all have to highlight the hypocrisy. This massive resistance, it sounds like the old Southerners who said that we will resist integration by any means necessary. <laughs> Are fake news. Are you serious? You're a very, very silly person. Very fake news. Go back to where you come from, okay? It's not against the law, whole fuck you. That's disgusting. No, it's not my concern. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. You're awesome. I can't do it. We'll do it live. <laughs> fuck it, we'll do it live. Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show, frankly. Quite frankly, in fact, the very best. You can ask anyone about that. People often do, I'm told. This is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, not by my wonderful co-host, Blonde, but by my trusty substitute, Frank, from Quite Frankly. Frank, uh, thanks as always for helping out the show in our time of need. Oh, anytime. Congratulations to Blonde with the birth of her healthy baby. And congratulations to Taylor Swift for making it to the Super Bowl. I'm happy for both of them. (laughs) I'm happy for both of them. I thought, well, not this in the spirit of respecting Blonde. We can't talk football on this stream. Okay. Like we can't, can't break that wall. I had, I had hoped that the Lions were going to. To make it now, now we're sweating that a little bit. It looks like that that game is tight and dumb. But well, they may, they may. But you know, Matt, uh, do you think your audience is starting to catch on to the fact that every time you bring me on, you troll them by replacing a uh, a blonde woman from Idaho with a bald man from New York? Yeah, I, I suppose. Well, last time you did a pretty good job of filling the role. That is to say, a lot of blonde esque viewpoints seemed to come from you. So, and that was natural. That wasn't even planned. So I, Very I natural. You know, I, I think it's a, a little bit better fill in than maybe you're giving it credit for, but we're bearing the lead a little bit here, a lot of bit actually, because of course, if Frank is here, that means blonde is not, if blonde is not. Yeah. Uh, that means her baby girl was born yesterday. 
I will have more information on that momentarily. But after that, we have all our usual news items and events to discuss, including three American soldiers were killed and dozens more wounded yesterday when a drone from an Iranian-backed militia hit a U.S. base on the border between Jordan, Syria, and Iraq. These are the first American casualties in the Middle East killed by foreign forces since the October 7th Hamas attack in Israel. A New York jury, speaking of your neck of the woods, uh, awards E. Jean Rape is Sexy Carol $83 million from Donald Trump in punitive damages in her defamation case. Plus, we'll check in on the latest from the Texas border standoff. The Fannie Willis corruption investigation. If if this all ends with Fannie Willis in jail, I know I'm getting my hopes up pretty high, but yeah. man, is that uh, that's that's heating up a little bit. This this something might come of this. Uh, and before we get out of here, we have some hoax hate stories as well. No movie review tonight in Blonde's absence. Unless have you seen Soylent Green before? Uh, yes, but a very, very long time ago. OK, I didn't Could write I my review anyway. I you didn't? I'd, no, I figured I'd we, wait for Blonde to come back next week. So. In my book club is reading a really great book right now to kick off the year. It's called uh, Lucifer's Hammer, and it's about a comet hmm. that came and just wrecked us, man. And it's uh, it, it, it's pretty interesting. It's always relevant. And then, of course, I read that in uh, in April when we have this eclipse that passes over New York, it's going to be coupled with this comet that they call uh, the Devil's Comet. So uh, who knows? Who knows? In a year that is totally fake and totally gay, uh, we're just starting off incredibly gay. Uh, yeah. Well, we're not through January yet, and we still have we've had a lot of great surprises. But the 2024 show carries on. We'll catch up with your super chats in between topics as well. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show because we are no good low down money grabbers. Of course, it will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listing material. Remember, you can find everything show related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com or as I informed Frank last time mattis.gay that URL also works listener support is hugely appreciated and it is what keeps the show operational if you enjoy the show please consider supporting the show we also have show merchandise for sale on the site plus we have offers from friendly listener owned businesses as well this week's feature business is our friends at Kenio Mountain Woodsmithing these are high quality Handmade premium hardwood cutting boards, charcuterie boards, serving trays, and more, all constructed with the materials and craftsmanship to last a lifetime. And the best part about Kineo Mountain's work, it's all customizable, not just in the selection of materials and the shapes and the colors, but in custom engraving, too. Blake at Kineo Mountain made me a cutting board engraved with my YouTube channel logo, and it looks incredible. It's a one-of-a-kind personalized addition to our kitchen that we use nearly every day, and it has not aged a bit and don't Fine forget craftsmanship. It is. It'll last forever. Give it to your grandkids type stuff. Don't forget, Kenny Mountain can handle all sorts of woodworking tasks from small table trays to big furniture projects. So if you're looking for a personalized gift for someone special or bigger items to customize your home, make it fine hardwood craftsmanship from Kenny Mountain Woodsmithing, the absolute highest quality woodworking that will last you forever. Check them out at KineoWood.com. That's K-I-N-E-O Wood. Dot com And of course, listeners of this show get 10% off all Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing products and services using promo code MATT10 at checkout. That's promo code MATT10 for 10% off everything from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. You can find everything you need from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing, plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses like Hero Soap Company, Western Razor Company, Sonoran Defense Technologies, and more 
That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals, deals by listeners, for listeners. And normally, Frank, this is where I plug our signature soaps. I mean, I'm still doing that. But as a token of our appreciation, the last time you were on, I sent you a sampling of these signature soaps. I think I sent I sent you Timberline. Did you get the blonde one, the oat plus almond? I don't remember. The oh, the oat plus almond, which I actually, I vibed with more. I think really? that it, the, it was a lot more uh, aromatically pleasing to me. Mm. So so it's, uh, once again, one more thing that blonde and I have in common. I guess so. Um, you know, we are, we are violent in our approach to the world. We lead with an iron fist. And also, when it comes to soaps, it must be... It must be soft and nutty. <laughs> well, speaking of nuts, everyone wants to know, did you try the Timberline? Uh, I smelled the Timberline. I, I smelled the Timberline. I have not, I have not busted it out oh, yet, you but I will not. ask you. Okay. No, I have not. But as far as your woodworking, the, uh, the, the mountain woodworking thing there, yeah. I'm going to make a, a little bit of a prediction here. Uh, one or both of your children are going to get into a fight with the executor of your estate when you die one day over who gets to have the woodworking kits and the charcuterie boards. They're going to want those. Maybe. Yeah. The the one I have with the engraving, that's a one of a kind piece and it is legitimate high quality stuff. It's cool stuff. So it'll, it'll be a piece of our family history for sure. Uh, But if you want to check out the soap as Frank did here, soapcompany.com promo code MC listener, 10% off. All right. uh, Let me get to what really matters. And that is the, uh, the birth of blonde's daughter, of course, uh, my sources say born yesterday at 331 in the afternoon, eight pounds, 15 ounces. They named her Annalise Cordelia. Mom and baby are both healthy. I don't have more information beyond that, actually. Uh, but I'm sure I told she Lauren, is. Sorry, go ahead. I told Lauren when when uh, when uh, Blonde tweeted it out. I, show, I, said, I said, Lauren, look, 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 Blonde had her baby and, and Annalise Cordelia. She goes, Cordelia. I love that. So I love the love the name. We're so happy to see it, uh, to see the, the the wonderful picture that she tweeted out and all the best to the whole family. Nobody is, uh, well, on behalf of her in our audience, thank you for that, of course, but I would say nobody is happier than Blonde herself, not just for the sake of having a child, but to be relieved of this pregnancy that is now past its due date. So uh, I don't know. She might be so relieved that she might be talking shit in the chat right now. I have not looked. But no, but other people are, and I yeah, love it. It's I been- I wouldn't be surprised to see her make an appearance, but I don't know if she plans to. Uh, but of course, we extend our congratulations. Uh, I I assume Blonde will be back next Sunday, but she and we've not had the, that discussion. So for now, I would plan on that. But, you know, that's that's up to her and her family, of course, as well. Oh, one thing to clarify, too. Um, if you'd like to send a gift to Blonde directly, I've put some links in the description. Super chat and stuff. Of course, we appreciate that as a matter of the business operation that stays with the show. Um, but if you want to go to blonde directly, check out the links in the description. So that way there's no confusion about the intent of, uh, what you may or may not want to send to her. Anyway, um, I also, before we hop into the news and, and some other items, I just want to check in with you about what's going on with quite frankly, I know most of my audience is familiar with you and your show and we have a lot of crossover, but, uh, it's been a few months time. What's going on with, uh, with quite frankly. Well, you know, the last time that I was on. This was the first time that I did any official broadcast from this room. And uh, and since then, I've done a lot of broadcasting from the room, because especially starting off 2024, uh, my bigger studio has been going through some really severe technological changes. So um, I have, still have another week from this room, but uh, when I come back, it's going to be glorious, and I'm going to be uh, upgraded in ways I haven't been since, I don't know, 2010. Anyway, 
the guests have been great. The topics have been varied. I can't do too much of the news anymore. It makes me sick. It's so sick. It, it, Matt, you are one of the common guys in news, no, current events. You. Okay, you, you curate the perfect stories that have a little bit of substance that you can get to the meat and potatoes of it, and then you can fit around the outside of it and crack jokes and talk about distant history and make things a little bit more relevant for people and digestible. But I don't know how people uh, do hours of news every night. Uh, just I, I don't know how to do it for, for nightly shows, at least. I don't know. It's getting ridiculous. Well, it, it and I appreciate the compliment. And of course, uh, one of the things I like best about your production is the ability to get into the otter territory or the less than obvious points of interest about the world around us. Uh, but I, I certainly agree that if if I was tasked with making like a two or three hour daily show, that's that's news only. Um, I mean, not only is there a certain level of boredom in that, but the news is so uh, depressing. Frankly, it would be hard to it would be hard to do that and just maintain sanity. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that when you so you got this new studio space that you plan to unveil. Are you making radical aesthetic changes too, or will it be kind of the same sort of appearance? What? Because I know it gets very controversial when you change. When you oh, it's change very controversial. Environment. People, people take things personally, Matt, yeah. as you know. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have to watch what you do with your facial hair. Um, I, I it's, it, it's nuts, but in the back of me, pretty much all of the, the, the sound system that I was running was all obsolete stuff, all of it. But I loved it because the lights just twinkle every time you talk. So I had like a, you know, I had a whole rack of things behind me that we've been using, you know, in one way or another since we started cobbling the system together in 2006. And um, it just had to go. I couldn't maintain the quality the way I wanted to. So now the real question is, what am I going to fill the blank space around me in? And that'll take a little bit of time, but people get over it. Other than that, uh, the more more important thing is the, the nature of reality itself and Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you before we get into all the big, big stuff. Yeah, and sure. we already made a comment about about the NFL. I'm I'm opening this up to everybody in the audience too. Now, I am. I know all the theories about rigged sports, fixing games, things like that. I know which uh, sporting events are are a little bit more prone to rigging than others. There's, you know, obviously bo- uh, boxing historically. There's point shaving in basketball and all that other stuff. But I know a lot of people who are dead set on Frank, everything in the NFL on the pro level, especially is scripted down like, like WWE. And I, I waffle between believing it and just can't go all the way on it because I, but you know, I told Lauren, I said, listen, the, the Baltimore Ravens should win this game. No, no matter what, but you, do you actually think karmically, Anybody is going to allow anybody but the Chiefs and Taylor Swift from getting to, to getting to the Super Bowl this yeah, year. It's, it's not I, just Patrick Mahomes anymore. Now it's the Swift effect. Yeah. It, it's, I, I just something about me to, to, about it today. I wanted to know how far they go with it is rigged. I want to yeah, know. I, I mean, the theories I kind of buy into more specifically with the NBA. And part of it is that I'm not really an NBA fan at all. So I like to think it's rigged. And that's part of the reason I hate basketball and all of that. Um, but I have a hard time believing that every play would be scripted or the events of like, this person will throw it this way to this person who catches it this way. All of that, like every play is scripted, probably not, but 
The stuff about the NBA that seems kind of scripted to me is the stuff around the edges, the officiating, the draft lottery, some of the other things where maybe maybe it's not every game it has a predetermined result, but there are certain levers that the league or the powers that be exercise to encourage the outcomes that they would like to see. So if I could believe that sports le- leagues are rigged, it would be in that way. It's like in the the more subtle around the edges influence the game indirectly kind of way. Yeah, well, that's that's why I wonder. And, and for everybody out there wondering, oh, man, they're talking about sports. The reason why I bring this up is because especially with football in the lead up to Super Bowl. Anybody who watches shows like we produce or anything like that, they usually click around to see people de-occulting the Super Bowl, the performances, what's going on. And of course, the matchups are always people always say, no, this is very symbolic. And that's why it's planned out this way. Like when the Rams got back to the Super Bowl, it was Baphomet. And there's there's always something about the Patriots going up against something else. And so I uh, it, it's not so much about money. Uh, it's it's so much more about how people believe that this is tied directly into sending very specific cultural messages. It's a propaganda and, thing yeah, uh, yeah, like, or yeah. a predictive programming thing, you yeah. know, anyway. Well, uh, yeah, we'll have to who's doing the Super Bowl this year. Usher, I think. Uh, we'll no, see what, I don't know. We'll see what Usher's propaganda is. But uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is doing the, the Super Bowl this year. They're <laughs> going to bring her out. She, I heard <laughs> the whole softball team is going to be there. You know, as absurd as that sounds, it's it's probably only like one or two degrees removed from the truth. So it's it's not that insane. I don't think. Uh, one one quick item before we get into some news stories. I was not aware that Bill Maher uh, has stolen my intellectual property. But I thank listener Benjamin for alerting me. Now, listeners of this show are well aware that since its inception in 2016, the show intro that you just heard, Frank, it it's changed a little bit over time. The show used to be called Beauty and the Beta. It's now the Matt and Blonde show post 2021. But it has always started with the phrase, welcome to your sanity safe space. That has been a constant episode oh. one through 398 or whatever we're on now. Bill Maher, meanwhile, real time on HBO, of course, his show has just returned and he has stolen my branding. I now have to send him a cease and desist. Listen to this. Are, are you going to do that? Listen to that. Well, if I was going to find a lawyer. Cancel you many times. I was like literally canceled. In fact, the show is canceled. <laughs> Sanity needs a safe space. And he's got all this. He's got all this graphical branding that's going out too. Sanity needs a safe space. He's stolen my bit. He's hijacked my style. Do, is that grounds for a cease and desist? Because I would probably, love for you to do something like that. Not. I don't own like a, I don't have it trademarked. I don't have a, you know anything like that on it. But you got to trademark things, man, like Vince McMahon. Not to mention, I don't have a legal team. So uh, but I am I'm pretty good at writing letters. I could write it. I write one to HBO myself and see how it see how it goes. But uh, you should just demand to be on on uh, real time one night. So listen, if, you, if you want to keep using this, get me as a panelist, me, me and blonde. Oh, that would be great, especially depending on who the other guests are. But uh, but I thank listener Benjamin for me for alerting me to this uh, to this blatant theft of my property. Anyway, uh, big news of the weekend. You know, if you're on edge about the prospect of an American civil war, don't worry, it's not going to get that crazy. We're just going to stick with the good old fashioned uh, forever Middle East wars instead or maybe both they're not really mutually exclusive but uh over the weekend uh uh actually early morning saturday early morning sunday so late last night uh 
in the Middle East. Three U.S. Army soldiers were killed and more than 30 more injured in an overnight drone attack on a small U.S. outpost in Jordan. This is near the border with Syria and Iraq. That number of wounded is expected to rise. According to reporting, uh, it was all these guys sleeping in their sleeping quarters and some drone came in and hit them. And now we've got three dead and dozens wounded. American officials identified the installation in Jordan as Tower 22. It is used largely by troops involved in the advise and assist mission for Jordanian forces. This is the first time U.S. troops have been killed by enemy fire since the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel, though, of course, we lost two Navy SEALs at sea the other week, intercepting weapons en route to the the Houthis, or I'm told the proper pronunciation is the Hooties, Frank, so we call them the Hooties on this And the Blowfishes? Hootie, <laughs> the obvious joke has been there the whole time, and I never took it's it. It's been there, the Hooties Thank, and the Blowfishes. Yeah, what about the Blowfishes? Uh the attack is believed to be another, speaking of the Houthis, another attack from Iran-backed militias in the area, but it is not yet determined which specific militia is responsible, whether it was the Houthis or not. Some sources are describing this as a suicide drone, as in, uh, if I understand correctly, not a drone that fires a, miss- a missile or projectile itself, but a drone that carries an explosive and crashes into its target. Unconfirmed as far as I'm aware, but that's what I'm seeing from some sources. Unclear exactly what the president is going to do in response. He did speak about it a little bit today. He's pledging generic action. He vowed today to hold those responsible for the attack to account. Uh, He said, we all know it was carried out by radical Iran-backed militant groups operating in Syria and Iraq. Mm. So, you know, I'm sure they're all Mm. very afraid, just like those held to account over the Kabul airport bombing and those uh, the cartels held to account at the border. And everybody else held to account by the Biden administration. Um, the real question is, did it was the drone left over in Afghanistan? Did we gift wrapped it, gift wrap it and hand it directly to the Houthis or whoever did this? I, who, who, who knows? Um, the, the real question is, why the hell do we still have troops literally all over the place? Over 300,000 troops that are that are stationed around the world that should be home. Why are they in places where they could be, you know, hurt in one way or another? Because, you know, uh, there is a chance that locals who just don't like foreign occupiers to be there anymore uh, will turn against them and just want them out and and commit to violence in one way or another. More people would be a little bit more prone to that than others. Some some would be a little bit more prone to that than others. But But, you know, by and large... By and large, having them all over the place. Think about the, the 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 reasoning you're giving yourself to go to war with whoever the hell you want when the inevitable happens. That somebody gets killed being where they shouldn't be. Um, there's that. It's just it. Three hundred thousand people. You know, I, I always I always fantasize about what we can do with the thirty thousand that are playing with themselves in Berlin right now, uh, it, just based on what's going on on our southern border. But you know. That's just what it is when the, that, uh, the one sounds like a bunch of hootie propaganda to me, because if we don't have them there to get the hooties, the hooties are coming for us. Right. And you know, who knows that is Lindsey Graham. I think I saw you tweeting about this earlier today. <laughs> Lindsey Graham's tweets. Uh, we got to go to war with Iran. That settles it. The only thing the Iranian regime understands is force. What, what was the tweet? He said, hit Iran now, hit them hard. Right. 
which, uh, you know, make your own Lindsey Graham gay joke there, uh, as you will. I would love to um, hit Iran with Lindsey Graham. <laughs> I, that's I, I, ser- I, I seriously he needs to be he needs to be rounded up. Everybody who's banging the war drums right now, they got to get rounded up, geared up and just, you know, just halo dropped right into the country. And I want them to take care of the regime. I got no I problem with it if Lindsay himself is tip of the spear. I, I accept. Yeah, I want him in first. I want him to go in first. All right. Fair enough. Well, uh, perhaps there will be updates in that story as we stream, too. And of course, we appreciate those if people have them in the chat or, or elsewhere. But uh, keep an eye on that. Did you see not that not that Snopes is, uh, you know, a stranger to uh, to fact check failures, but this particular fact check failure from Snopes was hilarious. You see this one with the hard hat this week? Let me see. So. Oh, oh, the the backwards hard hat. Yes. Yes. I saw something about it. What's hilarious is they'll go to bat to defend Biden for the most inconsequential things like the claim here. So. Joe Biden is in Wisconsin with Amy Klobuchar talking to AFL-CIO workers to promote whatever infrastructure bill or whatever. You know, like, look, I'm just a working man. I'm working Joe. Look, I got a guy's hard hat on. And it's backwards. You can tell it's backwards It's because it's got that little adjustment knob on the front rather than in the back. And even if it was, all you got to say is he was having a fun time and being goofy. Okay, that's it. And people go, "Eh, yeah, he's an old man. I got a lot of reasons to hate Joe Biden, but uh, backward hard hat, probably not one of them. Instead, they can't help themselves and they have to defend the orientation of this hard hat. And so they, first of all, claims that Joe Biden wore his hat backward. Once again, they're they're citing people with tweets that have, you know, interactions on them in the dozens or something like that. Like very small traffic tweets making this claim. People have claimed that he's wearing his hard hat backward. Rating false with the big red X. Now, on what basis do they rate it false? Uh, okay. They went through and they compared the the hard hat in question. It's brown. It's got stickers on it. Snopes investigators have discovered that another man who's an actual construction worker there, this is his hat. And he's seen in images elsewhere wearing the hat. But it is oriented the other way, as in oriented. The, <laughs> yeah, that's my they, word. They, in fairness, it, but, oh, okay. But okay. Uh, but the little adjustment knob is on the back, and they have determined that it was actually the construction worker man who was wearing it backward. Which direction was the bill of the hat facing? See, that's the thing. It's the little bill on the hat that was facing backwards on the construction man. And when Biden wore it, it was forward. And it's not the adjustment knob; it's the bill of the hat that determines whether the hard hat is forward or backward. Mm, Very important detail. So the conclusion is, is actually the construction workers have been wearing their hard hats backward. Not Joe Biden, the construction workers have the guys who wear these are mistaken. So was this a doctor? Was this just a, a a Photoshop job then? Well, no, they they did grant that the photo was real. Okay. They did grant that the photo and him wearing the hat was real, but they, they said it is not backward in the way that he's wearing it. Okay, and they, I get you. And then they got ratioed because everyone is laughing at how wrong they are and how hard they're going to bat for a totally inconsequential thing. And they they reversed. They caved to the pressure and they they changed the rating to true. <laughs> I, I, I saw the rating change. Now, now that you say it, the editors, they put a, they put a multi paragraph editors note on this thing. 
We received a ton of comments in a very short time challenging our assumption that wearing a hat, quote unquote, backwards means wearing it with the brim facing the rear and forwards means wearing it with the brim in the front. On the basis of that assumption, we originally rated the claim that Biden was wearing a hard hat backwards as false. But we have since received commentary from people with knowledge and we accept that you guys are right and it's backwards. And so we've changed the rating to true. And I know this seems stupid. And if I'm going to sit here and ridicule them taking an inconsequential subject so seriously, maybe I shouldn't take it so seriously myself. But what's the what's the admission here? We have no idea what we're talking about. And if we get hit with enough pressure, the supposed truth tellers will completely reverse what the truth is. But I'm sure they know everything about vaccines. They know everything about international warfare. They know everything about big, important topics. It's Huge just things. Hard, hard hats. Is the one area where they lack expertise. That's you know, it. They're just so fine focused on the nuance that that sometimes it's just these little things can just it's hard for them. Yeah. It's when, when you're doing calculus all day, sometimes just basic addition can, you know, you, you just brain fart. Yeah. You know, I saw them. This is almost as obnoxious as all those um, those articles that come out that say what you need to know about blah, 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 blah. It, 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 no matter how stupid it is, they want to be, make sure that everybody that takes them seriously is going to be prepared to be able to debate every meaningless, inconsequential thing online at Dunkin' Donuts the next morning. Yeah. Uh, it, so that uh, I, I don't know. You just own own the right wingers about the about the hard hat thing. You know, but as far as Snopes goes, I've spent a lot of time over the years going, you know, dissecting their ridiculous claims and their conclusions that are obvious that are actually things that affirm the opposite because of the way that they word everything hmm. especially when it came to subjects like slavery and who owned them and origins of slavery and you know slave traders and all that stuff i remember doing a lot on that but there was one thing in particular i had so much fun with in 2000 i don't know it was maybe probably 19 or 20 joe biden when he's just started campaigning when he just started campaigning somebody on tumblr i think that their their tumblr name was piss vortex okay they put out a tumblr it was like a, a maybe a, a gift set on tumblr where it was a dog that was being somehow this dog had gotten underneath this paved walkway you know there's all these pavers and stuff like that i don't know how the hell it was maybe it was a sewer or something but these guys were rescuing this dog from underneath the walkway they're taking out all the pavers they're, they're they're scooping out all the dirt and there's this dog this golden retriever that looks like scared for its life and finally they they bring him out well somebody went reverse the gift so it looks like these guys were stuffing the dog back into the sideways and they said that these guys that were doing it were staffers of joe biden's campaign <laughs> okay and, and it started yeah. this thing where they said that joe biden must be stopped he's already buried 15 dogs this year they it just yeah. got worse and worse. well snopes had to get involved and the fact that snopes had to they had to actually um cite blog names like piss vortex and things like <laughs> that to be able best, to yeah to take this claim apart that the Biden yeah. campaign is burying dogs along the, it's, yeah. it's, I, I love the internet for that reason. Well, they, they lack the ability to differentiate or identify bait in that way. I mean, it's, it's, it's a trait of just being humorless, I suppose. You can't yes. identify a joke, but the, the, the ironic other side of that is when you're, when you're so humorless, you kind of create jokes in this way. I know that this particular Biden thing wasn't a joke 
per se, but they have created comedy in their dedication to the protection of this man, even when it does not matter. Something again, if, if someone said to me, yeah, it's back. He, he actually put it on backwards intentionally to be goofy because he was having a fun time, having some beers at the bar. I'd say, eh, I don't care. I'm clicking to the next thing. But now now it's a whole thing. But anyway. Yep. Uh, well, uh, other big news leading into the weekend. That that crazy lady with the cat named vagina, the one who said rape is sexy with Anderson Cooper and one of my all time favorite CNN clips. Uh, New York jury found Donald Trump liable to pay $83 million to her. That's E. Jean Carroll. These are punitive damages on the basis that he defamed her in, uh, in the defamation in this case, I guess it was in 2022, but it's in response to the 2019 accusations that the, that she has, that he raped her at a New York department store back in the nineties, like somewhere in a three or four year range. Maybe if she can remember that day, maybe, yeah. Uh, allegations that she was a drug addict, too, which I was not previously aware of, but that that was part of it. Um, I mean, it, come on. She seems like she's indulged in a few things in her time. Uh, more importantly, absolutely no corroborating evidence to support her story. We're just supposed to believe it anyway. Uh, the judgment, of course, follows another judgment last May. It was five million dollars in which a New York jury found Trump liable for sexually abusing Carol and I, I still don't even fully understand that law in New York. I don't know something. There's, there's a law in New York that allows people that gives, gives people like Eugene Carroll a one year window to file lawsuits for sexual assault claims that would otherwise be well beyond the statute of limitations. Well, the, didn't, didn't they just pass that law just for her? Is that how it I works? Feel like, I, I feel know. like it was just recently passed because obviously this is aside from the fact that she can't remember anything. And uh, according to her, there's probably never been a rape that she didn't find sexy. But um, they, but, you know, when you, you think about this, I remember that um, we we're getting stories about how New York was changing its laws on, um, you know, these these expiring time frames and the statute of limitations and all of that. And this was going this was around the time that she was getting hyped up, amped up by people like uh, what's his name, George, what's his name, Conway. Because he's the, he's one of the guys, Kellyanne Conway's husband was one of the guys that really like amped her up into doing this. They met at some party. I forgot whose party it was. This was all written about that he wanted to, you know, really make her go out there and, and do this. So, you know, she cobbled together everything she remembered from her favorite episode of Law and Order. And uh, and, and and they just New York made it work. For I her. need to go and watch you know, that episode. I heard that, that it, it basically follows the plot identically. But I've not seen that episode of uh, Law, Law and Order SVU. So I need to check that out. Yeah, yeah it, 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 dude, the official story of COVID was more believable than Donald Trump giving a drunk blogger a time of day. I mean, can you imagine having supermodels at your beck and call and wasting time on the woman who paints trees with diarrhea? I can't. I don't. <laughs> well, I don't. I how how old was she at the at the time? Because she's she's fairly old now. But how old would she have been in 1995? I, I don't know that particular detail, but probably Probably the mid to late forties. She looks like she's close to eighty right now. She's but she also old. looks like she she lived a rough life. Uh, yeah. To the prior point on uh, drug experimentation, maybe that's part of it. But I better be careful, otherwise I will be served a defamation lawsuit by Roberta Kaplan, who is E. Jean Carroll's lawyer. Roberta Kaplan was on CNN with Anderson Cooper, and she did not say that rape is sexy, but she did say that she guarantees that E. Jean Carroll will receive a large sum of money from Trump. We are very happy with the punitive damages award. What? Award. 
Why do you think they were so high? Because of his behavior? Yeah, because under the, the law of punitive damages, a jury is allowed to and actually should consider what it will take, what monetary amount it will take to get the person to stop. So the idea with the jury was it's going to take a big number to get this guy to stop. Exactly. That all he really understands is money. And so you should award an amount of money that will make him stop. What is the likelihood this ruling will stand or that the damages will stand? Very, very high. Um, we had one of the most best respect, most well-respected judges in New York City, Judge Kaplan, no relation. And the law and all the tough legal issues in the case right. have already been dealt with. Do you anticipate Eugene Carroll actually seeing this money? Uh, completely, she'll see this money. He's going to pay. And Judge Kaplan, through judgment enforcement mechanisms, will make sure that he pays. Today was a good day for our system of justice. Today oh, was a day that showed that the rule of law applies to everyone. Oh, oh. I, my skin crawls when I have to listen to these 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 women. It's always a woman. It's always I can't <laughs> stand it anymore. Oh, you guys! I forgot you got the voice uh, modification on board. I need to I need to upgrade my tech to have that capability. That's always it. A good it day. gives me relief because yeah. it it makes me feel okay. Well, that was funny. That felt funny to me. Yeah. And now the rage has gone away. Yeah. So, but Matt, when you hear that. What happens to you inside of your head? Just can you? I want to see well, if you feel the same thing I feel. Uh, I I worry I might be desensitized to it because I've seen this so many times that that rage. Yeah, I have rage that this is uh, obviously uh, a political attack, and that when they talk about how they're upholding the rule of law and making sure the law applies to everyone, they're doing the opposite. They're targeting a man with <laughs> in ways that historically speaking we don't. I also have a lot of frustration hearing them say he only understands money. You know, that's all he understands is money from people who their entire career is illegitimately leeching money off of other people. They take from people who produce with these bullshit lawsuits while set while saying that uh, it's actually the other people who are, who are money obsessed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I share the frustration. It's just that I've, I've seen the show so many times that I don't know that each individual episode gets me bothered in the way it may be used to. Let me ask you this. What do you think? And I don't know. I'm not, I'm no lawyer. Um, and I just really, with stuff like this, I, I know I, in my gut, I know why things are happening. I know what the, I know what the play is. I know who the players are and I know what's at stake as far as how the game is played and the weapons people use and the process that is abused to be able to go after one person or another um, that's something completely different. And I hear people who are very confident Trump will never pay a dime of this. And here's what's going to happen on appeal. I have other people. I, I have seen this guy two days ago, the Brian Manukian. Did you want, did you see this? It's a couple of paragraphs on, on Twitter. Hmm. And he, uh, he says, you can take this, this verdict to the bank. I don't know if he's, if he's rooting for one way or another, but he has really just come down on Trump's, lawyers as being horrible that i've heard the that, that they, they they were not good uh and it would seem to now i don't i don't know the ins and outs of how this developed specifically in general i mean i i, I want to read some of the statement that was supposedly defamatory in a moment because the idea that it meets the threshold for defamation beyond the first amendment's protection seems laughable but and, and i don't mean to diminish the aggression with which these people are going after trump because i think they absolutely are that said, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that there's a little bit of uh, lawyerly incompetence to blame for the outcome as well. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, it's just one of those things. If, if what this, but this guy and other people like him have said is true, and they're not coming at it from a standpoint they just really want to see Trump go down. But they, but at, from an objective standpoint, they thought that the handling of the case actually made something like an appeal impossible. Hmm. Um, I just sent you something in the in the Zoom chat. You can take a look at it in your own time. It it's not um, too long, and and, and you, just. Oh, never mind. Yeah, you're not asking me to open it now. Never mind. Sorry. No, 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 not now. Just, just whenever. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd be interested to see what people in the chat room think because there are everybody's confident in very, very opposing views. Yeah, and that's usually when I just sit back and no, I watch. I'm the wrong guy to ask on that as far as how like how this is going to play out specifically on the appeal. I, I've done a little bit of reading about it. I'll get to that in a moment. But as far as lawyerly insight on that, I'm uh, definitely the wrong guy to ask about that. But one point I did want to bring up, and I'll get to Trump's lawyer in a moment because she was really pissed off outside the courthouse to the points that you were just discussing. She says, uh, you heard Roberta Kaplan there, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer say, well, the judge in this case, his name's Lewis Kaplan, no relation. And I take her point that she's talking about a family relation. So I'm not saying she's lying right there. But I am saying there is there is uh, one piece of information that shows they have a connection. Uh, they both worked together at the same law firm in the 90s. According to a New York Post columnist, his name is Charles Gasparino. Lewis Kaplan, again, the judge on this case, was a mentor to Roberta Kaplan, who was the lawyer for E. Jean Carroll, Way back when, in fact, it was back in the 90s, you know, when Eugene was getting raped down at the department store, Roberta was hanging out with this judge because they both worked at the same law firm in New York. And this isn't just according to the reporter at the New York Post. He quotes a former partner at this law firm and says, uh, and it was it was Paul Weiss, Rifkin, Wharton and Garrison, a former partner at the law firm says Lou was like her mentor, a uh, mentor. And uh, they, their, their time at the firm overlapped by a couple of years. Lewis Kaplan was a partner there until his appointment to the federal bench in 94. Roberta Kaplan worked there until 2016. She started her own firm. But I mentioned that Trump's lawyer was really pissed off outside the courthouse. Uh, this was Alina Haba, and she criticized the judge in the process, saying that uh, exonerating evidence and their witnesses and a bunch of important pieces of Trump's case were not allowed. That judge decided that every single defense President Trump had, we were not allowed to raise in front of the jury. It is in writing, and I encourage the journalists, the real journalists, to take the minute to look at his orders. There was no proof, and I couldn't prove that she didn't bring in the dress. There was no DNA. There was no expert. My experts were denied, two of them. They didn't bring. let me bring up that Reed Hoffman funded Ms. Kaplan. And you know what we got in there? that my witness, who was her friend, who said that she is a drug addict and the drug addict is herself. That friend I found out in there was paid for by Ms. Kaplan's firm and that is disgusting. That is a violation of everything I stand for and that is why I stand with Trump. Okay. Uh, now, in in fairness, my understanding, this, this piece of well, this trial or this hearing, this is about the assumption in this in this particular trial uh, and the putative damages here is that Trump is guilty of the defamation. So they're assessing they're not relitigating whether or not he committed the defamation. They're determining what the punishment will be financially. Uh, that said, uh, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't mean that the facts um, 
of this case support the idea that Trump raped this woman or that he said anything defamatory. You went through a lot of the the facts of the the rape allegation, so I, I won't revisit those in in detail. But it, it whether or not this was defamatory, of course, the best the best defamation defense is the truth. And if the truth is that Trump did not rape this woman, then a lot of his statements can't be defamatory. And so the the jury in this case was not evaluating these questions. But these questions are still important or these pieces of information. There's no surveillance video of the alleged incident, not a single witness to corroborate her claim. Uh, Unable to remember again, what, what year she's said from 1994 to 1996, depending on when she was asked the, the blazer dress that she says she was wearing at the time was not even in existence. It had not even been created at the time by whoever, whoever manufactures it. Um, then, and you mentioned the SVU thing. Yeah. Again, I'll, I'll have to go watch this episode, but her entire story appears to be lifted from an SVU script. There's plenty of circumstantial stuff. I mean, the, the, obviously the scripting from a television show. And then there's also the, the fact that so much circumstantial evidence that is a stream of consciousness of crazy shit that she has put out on the internet that her socials are filled with. That show uh, that 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 really um they 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 do the job of a really good character witness that you you could take a look at a at a person who has no qualms with you know confronting people sexually taking what they want sexually you can tell that she's a nymphomaniac you can tell you, you can just see the whole thing God knows what kind of cocktail of uh, substances she's on obviously she was polluted when she was on with uh with Anderson Cooper that time she was totally polluted on air. So and that was around the time that everybody was like, you know what, let's keep this woman off off the television for a little bit. But yeah. they 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 gave her a nice paint job and they threw her right back out there again. And now and now and now it's this. Yeah. And yeah. So I want to I want to read a little bit of Trump's truth social post from October 2022, which is allegedly the defamation at issue here. Uh, again, the reason that she's being awarded eighty three million dollars is because Trump tarnished her reputation by lying about her is the idea. And um, it's not necessarily that we're supposed to believe that her, her reputation is worth $83 million. But as her lawyer said with Anderson Cooper, the idea is the number has to be so big that Trump won't ever dare say these mean things again. So the, the post on truth social at the time, October, 2022 is fairly long, but I've just, I just want to read the part here that is specifically about her. That is theoretically defamatory. But again, if if he's calling her a liar, if she's lying <laughs> and it's true, it can't possibly be defamatory, especially when she's voluntarily made herself a public figure. But this is this is um, the relevant part of the post uh, from Trump. Quote, I don't know this woman. I have no idea who she is other than it seems she got a picture of me many years ago with her husband shaking my hand on a reception line at a celebrity charity event. She completely made up a story that I met her at the doors of this crowded New York City department store. Within minutes, swooned her. It is a hoax and a lie, just like all the other hoaxes that have been played on me for the past seven years. And while I'm not supposed to say it, I will. This woman is not my type. She has no idea what day, what week, what month, what year, or what decade this so-called event supposedly took place. The reason she doesn't know is because it never happened. And she doesn't want to get caught up with details or facts that can be proven wrong. If you watch Anderson Cooper's interview with her, where she was promoting a really crummy book, you will see 
that it is a complete scam. She changed her story from beginning to end. After the commercial break, this uh, the suit or to suit the purposes of CNN and Andy Cooper. In other words, you can summarize all of that. This woman is a liar and she's unattractive. Okay, that's the substance of the defamation. And again, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with what he said. I, I can't imagine, especially if we grant the premise that she's a public figure. Now, she voluntarily appeared in 2019 to write this book. Oh, I have these, this accusation that corresponds with this book. That's for She put herself into the public eye in that way. If you are a public figure, the legal standard for defamation against you is actual malice. As in, you can't, it, it's not just that Trump was loose with the truth. You got to show that what he was saying about her was false and he knew it was false and he did it with the intent to damage her. Now, most of the stuff in here, in fact, all of it, first of all, a liar is factually true to the extent she appears to be lying. But the other stuff, like, I just find her unattractive. She's not my type. I mean, if, in any other context, we would call this a defense. Like, did you do that thing? No, I did not. Oh, that's defamatory, apparently. No. Yeah. How dare you? Why wouldn't you want? That's almost like, <laughs> she's not your type. Why not? <laughs> it's like, it's like what, can you explain why? Why? What's wrong with her? Yeah. Like they want. It's like please, please, yeah. please want to rape her. Please, at least want to rape her. I, I guess that, that's how backward this is getting. Speaking of how backward yeah. it is, I mean, if anybody has the credible defamation claim, it would be Trump. It is. A, it's a, an accusation of rape with no evidence behind it. That is damaging to a person's reputation. But Matt, wait a second. With with this whole thing, I know that there's a difference between this because obviously all of the the paid DNC shills on on Twitter, they are they'll go to the length of saying rape. You know, you if you support Trump, you support a rapist. They use the word rape, but the court did not did not uh, uh, deem that he raped her. They, they fell that that they fell short of that distinction. They they just said something about sexual assault, right? And this, what, this, the finding in the prior trial was yeah liable for sexual assault in a civil trial, which confuses me. But it's because it was beyond the statute of limitations that he couldn't be criminally charged. Okay, so then why why wouldn't it be liable for rape? It, like is it is it a rape or or her her claim, as far as I understand it, was was the full deal, was it not? I I guess so, but you know, you know, grabbing some ass could be a sexual assault. Got to so define I, our I term, Bill Clinton style yeah. here. We got to get specific. Uh, and, and even to the point though, let's say that we don't grant the point that E. Jean Carroll is a public figure; that she was just some poor woman who was uh, assaulted by Donald Trump, and she's been victimized by him. Even if the lower legal standard is that Trump acted with a with reckless disregard for the truth, what in this statement is? is reckless disregard for the truth. Even he's not even making the, 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 the statement of fact is that she's a liar and all the evidence shows that she's a liar or would strongly suggest it at minimum. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, again, I'm not, I'm the wrong guy to ask for legal expertise and how this all plays out in the trial and how it's going to play out on appeal, which if I'm reading correctly, Trump has, you know, several options to, delay the payout here pending all those appeals and how those go. I just don't see how you square the alleged defamatory statement with, with first amendment defamation law, but that's a question for the the technical lawyers to answer for you. Well, without being a technical, uh, technical guy, well, I'll just, I'll just say this. When you, 
when you think about 2016 in particular, and you think about the um, the crossfire hurricane situation, when you think about uh, the the mishandling of classified information with uh, Hillary Clinton's laptop, the sinking of information, the home servers, all that stuff, we know that the Espionage Act was violated numerous times. We know that it, that additional charges should have been piled on top of those consecutive life sentences that Hillary Clinton should be serving at Fort Leavenworth uh, when the we found out that the laptop had synced and all of those crimes were doubled up by allowing somebody like Anthony Weiner, you know, to to have his games be played on on that laptop that 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 uh, that computer. We know those things happen, but because of the people who are handling these cases, because of the media that covers it, and because of the way that the bureaucracy and the world works, there was never going to be an, a, a situation wherein Hillary Clinton was made to face charges publicly, was convicted, and was made to pay for crimes that she did commit, uh, along with many, very many other people who are obviously are plugged into a global network of influence-peddling monsters. We know that it's easy to see it, but the problem They're is the ones who rigged the NFL games, by the way. Yeah, essentially. So whereas we know the truth because we, we, we can see what's going on, we feel it in our gut, but there, you know, it's all wretch and no vomit. And for the people out there who are operating under very political pretenses, like what's going on in every courtroom that they have dragged Trump into in New York uh, in in Georgia with Fannie Willis and everything else, we know it's under political pretenses. We know that this is just warfare um, for the people who are rooting on their side. If there's no, if there's no bill of indictment that is levied against Hillary Clinton, she didn't commit the crime. And in a society where all things are equal, yes, if you you know, you, hey, you haven't been arrested you haven't been charged and you haven't committed the crime technically but we're in a state and we're in a state in our history where we know the deal here we know that there is more than two tiers in our justice system and we understand what's being done right now uh the, the people who are rooting for the tyrants i mean they, they just don't care they just don't care um as long as their people just keep getting away with it and they think that something's in it for them then this will just continue to be that oh oh yeah Trump raped somebody oh and it was defamation yeah where you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter Some, to them. It's something's in it for you and you keep sharpening those swords that are in it for you until they're not and those swords get turned around and they stab you and yep. uh, that that the society we're building that is going to happen you know uh, it, mm-hmm. so um, yeah I mean I. I I, I don't look forward to the undoing of uh, all our legal and social norms in this way. But for if I if I survive to watch the sharp swords get turned around, I I, I will watch them stab with laughter. I will not. <laughs> there was a time oh. when I would have mourned the principle of the matter. But uh, now now I'm in the show, man. It's popcorn. It's big bowl of popcorn. And it's cackling laughter for when that day comes. But uh Really, really quickly closing up on the Eugene Carroll stuff. Uh, Nikki Haley, I don't know if you've heard Nikki Haley's still campaigning for president for reasons nobody understands. You might have a great theory on that. Maybe we get into that if time allows. But uh, okay, she <laughs> I, I don't even believe speaking of, you know, forces controlling things behind the scenes. I don't believe Nikki Haley supporters are real. That is like the ultimate psyop right there. But uh She's trying to dunk on Trump over this verdict as though anyone is going to support her on this on that basis. 
She tweeted on Friday, Donald Trump wants to be the presumptive uh, Republican nominee, and we're talking about $83 million in damages. We're not talking about fixing the border. We're not talking about fixing inflation. America can do better than Trump v. Biden. You know, again, why are we talking about these distractions? And if Nikki Haley impossibly became the nominee, are we to believe that the forces that are manufacturing this stuff would suddenly go, oh, well, you know, that's fine. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is a great character who's never done anything wrong in her life. We're going to leave her be and allow her to compete in this election fair and square. Is that yeah. is that what we're supposed to believe? Maybe they would, actually. I don't know. There might be people who might be pro-Nikki forces I'm ignoring in saying that. But There aren't enough Democrats to cross over to vote for Nikki Haley to, to, to get that. Not nearly enough. That New Hampshire primary was hilarious. It was hilarious in one respect, and then it was also astonishing to see what was being admitted once again on uh, on the news. When you have CNN showing who's voting for Donald Trump, like 70% of Republicans, 27% of uh, undeclared or independents, which is, you know, which is, which is uh, really on par for him because we knew that all of his rallies in the last four to six years, anybody who's showing up, at those rallies, at least 20 to 30 percent of them were registered Democrats. Yeah. On the other hand of that, they are saying it's the polar opposite for Nikki Haley, that 70 percent of her voters are independents or undeclared. Whatever. So they're essentially Democrats coming over. They actually interviewed one of these guys. I saw that. Did you guy. See- I, I played it on my Wednesday dude. stream because it was hilarious. That loser did describe what he did if people missed it. But before he, I he, he's a it. he's a good. Yeah, you're right. He's uh just this spineless, solenterate type of creature. Yeah. He's out there in the snow, and he's pretty much saying, uh, he's being interviewed by a newswoman at CNN, and she's asking him, who did you vote for? Nikki Haley. And then the, he gets around to saying that he, uh, she goes, would you describe yourself as a Republican, an independent, a Democrat? He's, oh, I'm a Democrat. So essentially, he switched over for the evening, and we know because uh, friends of ours on on uh, on Twitter have shown that there was a really, really big, big push on the grassroots to get Democrats to cross over or at least to undeclare their uh, their alliances or allegiances there so they can vote in this primary. And um, she, she essentially said, well, why are you voting for Nikki Haley? Well, blah, 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 this, this and that. OK, well, if Nikki Haley comes up against Joe Biden, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. Yeah. And it's just like, this is, this is the close race we're talking about here. It's an absolute joke. And, uh, you know, the the fact that we were watching that, and of course it's being reported on in a way where it's just, oh, you know, it's fine. But I, I say you can put that right into the same pile of evidence that we got with the time magazine article about election fortification. They talk about it. They have their edit. We're in a stage right now where they have to talk about this stuff confidently, nonchalantly, and very publicly, because anybody knows that's unethical scumbag behavior. Perhaps voting for, voting against an opposition, or voting against somebody you don't like in an open primary is not illegal, but that's some slimy shit. And if you're willing to, if you're willing to do that stuff, you're totally okay with cheating elsewhere. Totally okay. Yeah, I guess uh, to your point, I would like to hear him explain um the moral distinctions there, like what his moral line is. And it's noble. to me, they, they find it noble. And to me, when I'm watching it, the reason I call him a loser is because I watch that. And I just think like, what you don't have anything better at home to do than that. Like, do you not have a family? Do you not have 
kids? Do you not have a wife? This guy was not, you know, 20 or something. He looked like he was probably 40 years old. And I'm just thinking like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, uh, there are a lot of political candidates I hate and against whom I would gladly vote. But I'm trying to think, who do I hate enough that I would go in and like waste Thank my you. night meddling in their primary and that, because it's just like, I got Thank shit you. to do, man. Like, listen, I, Democrats, anyway. liberals, especially you, every, everybody's got their bad eggs. I won't even say Republicans. I'm just going to say non-progressive voters. They're not going to pencil in any amount of time in their night to go or in their schedule to either, you know, unaffiliate themselves from one party, switch to another, this and that's that. True. And, and that's true. And that step that you're making is important, too, because it's not as simple as like, hey, go down to your local civic center and check the box. Yeah. If you're a registered Democrat, you have to do the paperwork mm-hmm. and, and unregister and become independent. There's a, it's more steps than just checking the box. Dude, point, it's it's, it's obsessive. It's obsessive ex lover shit. Like the, the like Democrats, liberals, these types of progressive voters. These are the types that would set their alarms at for two a.m. to wake themselves up at two a.m. to go key your car, and they would get out in the cold to go key your car, man, because they're obsessed. They the, they they will they will do that. The only thing I've ever done that for is to go to the Call of Duty midnight release in like 2010, and I've since broken myself of that sort of behavior. I got I got to get a good night's sleep. I don't get up at that time of night for anybody anymore, let alone voting for certain politicians. Last thing I want to say about Nikki Haley before we move on, we'll take a super chat break after this. But the most preposterous thing Nikki Haley said, she was actually on Meet the Press this morning, and she said. That um, that she agrees with or at least understands the jury verdict in the Eugene Carroll case. She she accepts it because she believes the evidence supports it. And what is unique about this case is that the jury has now ruled they have found him liable of sexual abuse. Do you not? trust the jury and their findings, Ambassador. I absolutely trust the jury. And I think that they made their decision based on the evidence. I just don't think that should take him off the ballot. I think the American people will take him off the ballot. I think that's the best way to go forward is not let him play the victim, let him play the loser. That's what we want him to do at the end of the day. Please show me this evidence. What what is the evidence? Well, the other thing there, too, is the the jury, the jury, like like it's the oracles of Delphi or something like that. You got 12 New York crazies. 12 of that guy you were just talking about. They're all it's it's just clones of him. Exactly. Okay. this is the the average the average person. uh, Just just pluck any 12 people like they're the oracles over here. Now, this is a jury, a jury of his peers. Oh, my God. They must be magical. They must have magic powers. Yeah. Uh, last item I just want to mention quickly, because, of course, the other one of the many legal battles that Trump is facing, in addition to the Fannie Willis thing we'll get to later, uh, this ballot disqualification stuff. Um, we know that the Colorado Supreme Court had stayed their own decision pending Supreme Court review that's coming up on February 8th. But there was still some lingering dispute in Maine with that other crazy eyed lady the secretary of state, Shanna Bellows, who was appealing her decision uh, to remove Trump from the ballot on the same 14th Amendment insurrection argument. But Maine's Supreme Court actually stopped her. Uh, They said that the secretary of state suggests that there is an irreparable harm because a delay in certainty about whether Trump's name should appear on the primary ballot would result in voter confusion. The uncertainty is, however, precisely what guides our decision not to undertake immediate appellate review in this particular case. So there. 
in layman terms, they're leaving Trump on the ballot for now. The Supreme Court will review that yeah. again February 8th. But as of now, uh, I mean, unless the Supreme Court hurries out some insane decision where they say, yeah, go ahead and just, you know, cross him off the ballots if you want. Unless that happens, you're going to see Trump on all the, the primary ballots. And this issue is is largely resolved now. But uh, that that's where we stand in Maine. I want to get into um, Super Chat, and then we'll get back into the news. After the break, we'll talk the latest from uh, the Texas border. We'll start over on Rumble here. Yakko 1977, some Congress critters want to ban militias. Preve- uh, preventing Private Paramilitary Activity Act of 2024. I haven't heard of this. Dems say the 2A only applies uh, to the militia, but at the same time, they want to ban militias. WTF. I, that's I haven't heard of that. Have you heard of this prospective law? No, no. Okay. But it, it, that's really what I don't know. It's pretty much the basis of everything they talk about. They want people disarmed and they want people to not get together. Um, how, how many times Second Amendment groups? Um, obviously, they finally took down. They finally took down Oath Keepers, but uh, anything like that. That these are the types of groups that have been popping up in the security reports for years, like the MIAC security reports for years. They're trying to demonize returning veterans, gun owners, things like that. Uh, they, they want it all uh, uh, done away with. And now, of course, they're getting down to speech, uh, red flag laws. It's very, very important to them to break apart any kind of social cohesion, especially ones that have to do with, you know, uh, people who are enthusiastic about civil rights. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah. We're uh, well, I, we already kind of banned clubs anyway in the uh, covid era. So this is just the extension of it, I suppose. But I'll keep an I'll keep an eye on that. I can't believe their philosophical commitment to militias was uh, insincere. I'm shocked. Your friendly neighborhood fed in 1968 after Bobby Kennedy was shot, his delegates became uncommitted and separately voted for different candidates at the convention. The delegates will negotiate to whom they uh, where they'll or who who they'll nominate if Trump dies. This is a question that was left over last mm. week um, that if like, let's say Trump got 90% of the delegates and then died, whether he was actually assassinated or whether he just had a heart attack legitimately, how is that resolved? I was unsure, but this is apparently the process that's so up to the delegates themselves, I guess. He also says, I can't believe the doctor told me they wouldn't let me mail. <laughs> they wouldn't let me mail my son's foreskin to blonde after they did his circumcision. I told her, it's not against the law, ho. Uh, that is um, a reference to one of our uh, our favorite characters on this show. I can't remember if I told you about her, but it's LaDonna in Seattle who says, It's not against the law, ho. Fuck you. This is, you this is after she was telling an Asian woman to go eat her dog with some rice. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and the She's lady said, that's, that's racist. That's not against the law, ho. Fuck you. So... Get out of here. That's the legend. Get out of here with that, Donna. We've tried to get LaDonna on the show. We can't track her down. But she's called in before, or she's just a favorite. She's just a very, a very outwardly racist woman in Seattle who we find hilarious. And when confronted on her aggression towards others, which were just verbal, she never threatened. She just says, it's not against the law. Oh, fuck you. And actually, she's 100% right. It's not against the law. You put 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 somebody out there in uh, Seattle. You have to have people in Seattle who watch your show. The, Get well, there's the that out there. And the reporter, it's it's even better. A reporter went to her house. His name is Jonathan Cho, and I might talk to Jonathan at some point. I haven't before, uh, but he went to her house, and she chased him away, throwing rocks at him, calling him the F slur for gay people. It was amazing. Oh no! Yeah, it was amazing. 
So LaDonna has a big fan base on this show if we can ever track her down, but I'd have to work through Jonathan to achieve it. Well, that's good. Uh, well, that's good. I, I, the, day, the day that happens, you make that into a, a highlight clip. Um, uh, going back to that super chat, though, as far as the 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 delegates go, wouldn't that is that per um, the party rules, or would that also be uh, applied to state law? Like that, for that example, was my question: is that, is it strictly a party thing, or is there other legal elements to it? Well, because, you know, some states with delegates, it's winner take all. Mm -hmm. uh, then there's also, you know, you, you're taking the based on what your portion of the votes are, you're getting a certain amount of uh, of delegates. So I wonder, I wonder if that would have to go through each state's laws to be able to see what would happen to delegates won by a candidate that had now been, you know, deceased. Dude, knocked I, off. That's the only way I can explain Nikki Haley's continued candidacy and her willingness to suffer the upcoming embarrassment in her home state is that she expects something to happen to Trump. Now, charitably, I could say she's just looking at all the legal problems and expecting him to be removed because of the legal problems. And then in she swoops to scoop up all the delegates. Cynically, you'd say, what does she know? To whom is she connected that she's so aware of the plot that she doesn't mind the embarrassment of getting wrecked in South Carolina because she knows something else is on the other side. But you interpret yes. uh, Nikki Haley's candidacy as you may. Uh, 925 Wild G Crotchum. Linda wants a crotch uh, a, or a crotch cam. Linda, I don't know what it, I don't know what this is in reference to, but Linda wants a crotch cam. Oh, that's that's nine two five Wild G. He's a he's he hangs out in our our oh, So this is a quite frankly crossover, probably, probably. Yeah. And Linda, that's oh, that's uh, that's Linda Love. She she's been asking for me to install a crotch cam oh, shot at the studio for years. I, I <laughs> no, I I don't have any I don't have any um, plans, and I don't know if my computer can handle another webcam because it, it's been getting. A little, <laughs> I can't do that. I never yet. tested the limits. How many how many cameras did you have plugged into it? Right now, I've got five, That's and cool. it, wow. it's been it's an issue. Yeah, uh, it's never been an issue with far inferior machines. And the last couple of weeks, we have been having uh, we've been having a lot of glitching. So um, last night we we did a lot of troubleshooting. We found out some stuff, and I'm 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 you know I'm refitting the entire room with Elgatos now, and and uh, just splitting them between some USB 3.0s and mm. one USB-C just to, you know. Once you've run, uh, once you've tested those to your satisfaction, let me know what you think because I'm in the market to upgrade some pieces of, some webcam equipment specifically. So I'm still kind of shopping, it. but if you find something, if you find a product that you really like, let me know. Uh, yeah, you should definitely look into, if you're going to do some uh, streams from the shower, like if you're going to have a, if I you're going be, to do. Well, I don't know. Hero Soap hasn't asked me to do that just yet, but. I was say, if you, if you have yeah. soap in, in your, your repertoire over there, yeah. you, I mean, you're going to have to do some streams from the shower. Yeah, well, uh, I'll negotiate the terms of that when uh, okay. they make the ask. I'm going to get some on Tippy Stream and YouTube here. We'll hop back into it. Uh, Zors is one of our most thorough and thoughtful super chatters. So he's always sending very lengthy detail, uh, just kind of big concept ones. So bear with me. Here. I'll read this. Uh, if a struggling single father just spent the last of his wages for the week on a burger for his child, but is confronted by a homeless man begging for food, the obvious morally correct decision is to make sure his child is fed, even at the cost of forsaking the needy. This is because we all have an obligation, first and foremost, to look out for those closest to us. The order of priority should be family, then friends or church, then neighbors, then city, then state, then country. In an ideal society, those running the country would treat their responsibility as though they were the patriarch of the family that is the United States. That is not what is happening. Our leaders 
spent the last of their kid's college fund on a burger and then went on, uh, and then went in front of their kid uh, and the needy. They wiped their asses with it and, and mailed it to Ukraine. We're living in a society in decline where the cities are burning, stores are looted, cartel members are selling women, and parents are mutilating their children. And what is our leadership doing? Funding the rockets that Israel launches at hospitals. Controversial statement at the end there. But yeah, I mean, I, I take your point. There's a lot of uh, foreign, we're funding a lot of bombs going to a lot of places for sure. Um, yeah. Doesn't, so, this all feel, doesn't it all feel, I already used the, 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 uh, the line fake and gay tonight, hmm. but I can't tell you, I know that there's a lot of turmoil that now we are managing several war zones again we're involved in several battlefronts we have all this stuff going on at home both in courtrooms on the street economic question marks when is the big the one is that the foot going to drop or the other shoe going to drop we have an election coming up we already know what happened in 2020 trying to figure get our bearings on anything the southern border you name it no matter what is going on matt everything feels so forced there is yeah there's a little bit of a foreboding inside of me yeah um, and I think that's good for everybody to keep in touch with that because we are not in a uh, we're not sure footed right now. We have to be very, very, um, you know, we have to keep our heads on a swivel. But it, nothing feels organic. Nothing. You think that there would yeah. be something in there mixed in that actually happened because things just happen. Nothing feels organic. It's so weird. Yeah. Everything is a, a puppet show. It seems yeah. like. Uh, thank you, Zors. I appreciate it. And um, I, I take your point, too. On We uh, love you. You're very special on on taking care of your family and those closest to you first. And I, I, I when people try to tell me things, when people use the logic of like, well, you know, all children are they talk about like migrant children specifically. And I, I heard uh, Eric Adams talking about this with respect to that school that they closed down to bring in the migrants like. Oh, well, I don't see migrant children and American children. I just see children and this and that. You can say that. But to Zor's point, if if you could use the burger metaphor, you could use the burning house. If there's if there's a house burning down and my son is in there and another kid, listen, I'll do what I can for the other kid. I'm not saying let him burn and I don't give a shit. But I am saying that in that moment, the instinct within me is going to demand that I take care of my son first. And I don't think it's just instinct based. I think it's a, a correct moral concept that you've got to take care of those for whom you are responsible first. And then if you have the luxury, you help others. And uh, we're doing the opposite. We're neglecting the people for whom we are responsible. When I say we, I mean the government, the, the United States government. Uh, and we are seemingly, we exist to, to serve those for whom we are not responsible. But that's, well, uh, when you think about progressivism, uh, when you think about pro progressivism, Matt, as just a, a worldview or whatever, it is in its very nature suicidal. It is in, in, in its very nature, it's suicidal. Uh, the, the people who have fallen victim to it, they have been taught from a very, very young age that it is noble and right to do things to not only erase your home, your culture, your personal health. They, they want it all done away with. And uh, it, when it comes, when you apply that to migration, of course, whether it's in the Eastern or the Western hemisphere, it's always about diversity at all costs. It's, it, it's purely altruistic in its, its style of suicide, because you know that this stuff is, is going to take you away. It's going to erase you. 
It's going to erase the world you knew, the, the world that gave you a little bit, uh, that little comfort zone to have these ridiculous opinions. Um, it, it's, um, I don't know, it, it's fascinating, it's morbid, because you can't get through to them, but it's all it's all part of the mindset that that begs a person to dismantle their reality and in itself just, you know, dissolve themselves, their family, their family ties. Uh, th- that's that's real the whole th- the the thing here. You see, that's why they're so willing to to narc on their friends that they grew up with, narc on their families to 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 say goodbye with them. There's a strange, strange uh, death cult mentality there where they really only ap- appreciate and connect to people that they barely know, but are drawn to by a common grievance that has been assigned to them somewhere along the way of their brainwashing. Yeah, it's um, it's it's an odd an odd thing. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Zors. Appreciate it. <laughs> Take a couple more here. I'll get back into the stories. Uh, Captain Norway is going to get me in trouble. But there was a viral clip this week of um, of a now. I don't know if you know this about me, Frank. I, I grew up and continue to live on a snowboard, although my snowboarding time is less now now that I'm a dad and some other responsibilities. But I've spent a lot of time on ski resort slopes in my days. And I've never really seen like the sort of uh the sort of say brawl it. you might otherwise see at say like a a waffle house you know <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen that on the slopes but the, but a clip went viral this week and you know people are making observations that they will about this or that that explains what's going on anyway captain norway says the the nevadan sl- uh, s- slopes the powdery hills shine so bright but wax your skis wrong and it triggers he, he the fighting youth known as the okay he he rhymed uh well combine combine the n slur and the uh the word ski and that's he that's said the n word that's what he said in this particular poem but uh all right <laughs> thank you captain norway let's uh, see it uh i i can't it's on tippy stream but i can't uh i can't show it to you actually wait what the, 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 the i saw a I saw a brawl. Oh, the video this, you're talking about. I thought you were talking about the chat, the video. Oh, no, no, no. The, the video. I, it's crazy, man. I woke up this morning and I don't know. I set my alarm for 645 so I can get myself to mass at 730. And the first 10 minutes of the day, you know, I just I, I went over because my phone, you know, the alarm was going off. And then I went, I said, ah, whatever. Let me just uh, flip open uh, Twitter. The first 10 things I saw from people. Inside of there was five different new brawls or somebody getting their ass beat yeah. by a group of teens or something like that. And um, I said, what the hell's going on today? And I saw the skiing brawl. Yeah. That was at the top of it. But those are all white people, right? Uh, it, let me put it this was way. It? it was it was not the most diverse crowd I've ever seen, but it was diverse. Okay. Because it, it was so confusing. I said, yeah. whoa, is this an actual there, white brawl? There were white people in it. Uh but it was not exclusively white. It was not as okay. snow white as the slopes. So, but anyway, I only saw that clip for, you know, in passing on Twitter, like you did. I have not gotcha. investigated the specifics. Uh, thank you, Captain Norway. Last one for now from Long Dong John. A few questions for Frank. Number one, did you review the tingly ball soap? We answered that question previously. The answer is right. no, but he's in possession no. of it. So we'll have to have him report back when he's ready. Uh, is, it having a, is there some kind of an astringent action in there that makes your well, balls tingle? It's double menthol. And when I designed oh, like this, breeze. 
when because I, I like the menthol cooling soap, but when I des- when I sat down and thought what would be cool concepts for soap when Hero brought this idea to me, I thought, well, I want them to be kind of like Western or Montana themed. And so that's how the Timberline soap was born. It's like it's a pine scent that's frosty. It's it's where the forest meets the peaks. That's the branding. It's like high altitude. Mm. So it smells like pine and it's super cool. You get that refreshing tingle. That was the idea. But, it, you okay. know, it became a ball tingling joke over time, which was never my intent. But that's just where it goes. Uh, speaking good. of things that are never my intent, another reference to my habits that is a question for you can you say butt sex 17 or more times before the end of the show without forcing it this is in a reference you recall a few weeks ago that there was that senate staffer who engaged in filmed butt sex in the mm-hmm. uh, senate hearing room and i that apparently is the record for most times i've uttered that that word or that phrase on the show but but again it wasn't forcing it like he's saying it that show was butt sex relevant in fact that show was the show the Sunday after my second son was born. The, he was born on a Sunday. We did the show again the next Sunday. And I <laughs> I said to my sons in the future, because I know they're going to be going back and watching this because it's the story of the birth of my second son. Now, please turn off the stream here because we're talking about butt sex for the you know bulk of the rest of the stream. And that's how that went, which was... Well, you just said it three times yeah. since the, the question was asked. Now, I don't know how I'm going to be able to fit butt sex in 17, 16 more times yeah. without the story being relevant to actually talk about. But um, I, I can try. Last night, I I made at least three or four butt plug jokes. Close enough. Um, yeah, that counts. So it doesn't count. Can I, can I roll those over? Last question. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, do I have to explain this before? Well, how, I'll just say, do you know a Kaniga? Do I do I <laughs> does do that I does that sentence make sense to you? Okay. I I, I love that, is, people with with uh names that are gonna get people canceled by reading them. The first of them was uh NFL linebacker prospect Diego Fago, former Navy midshipman Diego Fago, linebacker. He oh. had a stint with uh the Patriots, he had a stint with the Ravens, his yeah. last name was spelled F-A-G-O-T on the back of his jersey. Uh-huh. That Very dude's getting someone banned. Hundred percent. Now, in comes earlier this year, high school Indiana high school linebacker prospect Noah Kaniga. Uh, it's pronounced this way: K N I G T. Kaniga. That's how you say Kaniga. his name. Kaniga. Kaniga. So he's Kaniga. <laughs> he's going to get some poor. If he he was being recruited by big school, West Virginia, I think was recruiting him. It, he if he makes a major college program. He's going to get some poor announcer guy banned. Yeah, the the draft is going to be wonderful. Oh, if he the makes the NFL, be, I, who who would yeah. take him? Who, who do you think is <laughs> Roger going to be? Goodell the walks out with the fifth pick. The Browns, uh, the Browns take the, the, Browns the fifth take. Picks. Noah. Uh, now I I heard I heard Noah tell some reporters that he's now changed and now it's Kanaga, and I'm not joking. It's not like the South Park bit. He's legit saying it's Kanaga. Okay, so he's okay. So maybe Roger That's, Goodell gets that cleared up ahead of time, but well, whatever. Anyway, uh, congratulations to Blondie said, I know you're listening. Uh, thank you. Long Don John. Very much appreciated. We'll come back to your chats at the end of the stream. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Uh, great questions. And, uh, let's talk a little bit of the Texas border standoff. Uh, the first, uh, f- most important piece of information is the context in which this fits, because of course we got some fresh, Customs and Border Patrol data for December. 
uh, record setter. 370,000 plus migrants entered the country in just the last month alone of 2023. Shattering. Disgusting. Disgusting. Previous record. Well, what do you mean, Frank? That I don't see migrants or U.S. citizens. I just see all the many people of the world. I'm like Eric Adams. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tidal wave of filth. If you ask me, it's just horrible. It doesn't, and it doesn't matter. That's not from. The, the people are coming from over 110 countries. It's just the. <laughs> That's. Situ- aren't there only like 170 in the world? That's most like- of them. There's like 111 countries okay. and 110 of them are rushing our border right now. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Think about the effort. Think about the effort, Matt. I mean, you, we were talking about this before where it's just like, what would a conservative do versus a uh, a Democrat? We'll make memes about you and, and make fun of you during your, your debates and your campaigning during in the lead up to an election. You'll actually leave the house at 2 a.m. and change yeah. your change your status to vote. Do you know how many how many people? When you're talking about over a hundred countries, had to first find a way to cross the Atlantic Ocean to get here <laughs> to then start it, walking. It seems logistically difficult, but I don't. I, I assume the uh, the Haitian raft business is booming, or however this is being achieved. Uh, yeah, it, it, it eclipsed the prior record of 340,000, which was also a Biden record set in August of last year. And and as I will always say when we read these numbers, these are these are the people following the quote unquote process, by which I mean, like actually encountering Border Patrol or Customs Enforcement and saying, uh, yeah, I'm in fear for my life. I'm an asylum person. OK, you know, we'll get you a court date, whatever. Gotaways are not counted. People who are never encountered are not counted. So this is actually a fraction of what's going on. This is just the people we know about. Um Still no Biden intervention after a deadline was issued to the state of Texas, um, because, of course, we know the developments this week were rapid. On Monday, the Supreme Court said, uh, yeah, the feds can cut wire if they want. Governor Greg Abbott issued that letter and said, don't care, going to keep putting up razor wire. Twenty five states joined him or twenty four rather making the the total twenty five. Uh, Trump made a, a put out a call to those governors. Hey, why don't you send some uh, National Guard forces down to the border to help the Texas National Guard? And Biden had said uh, Texas officials have until Wednesday to allow access to this disputed Shelby Park in Eagle Pass, which is the heart of this dispute. Uh, and then nothing really happened as far as federal intervention. Uh, Texas has not complied with whatever Biden wants them to do. And Biden really hasn't done anything. In fact, a Border Patrol source uh, speaking with Fox News says there are no plans to remove the razor wire, actually. And Texas uh, officials, the Texas National Guard and some other state officials, continue putting up more razor wire barriers. We also heard this week, uh, for as for as hot as this is politically between politicians and Biden and I think between everybody on social media, rightfully so. I'm not saying you're wrong to be fired up about this particular issue, but I... Uh, I think that we worry about like a hot conflict breaking out here. And you know, don't get me wrong. Anytime you have uh, armed forces with conflicting purposes or disputes, something could happen. But you got the Border Patrol Union siding with the Texas National Guard and, and issuing a statement saying thank you for actually doing something to stop the rampant border crossers because our hands are tied in many ways. Thanks to the disastrous policies of this president. We appreciate that someone is stepping in to do it. So, you know, again, I'm not minimizing the conflict, but it would appear that maybe the conflict on Twitter is in some ways hotter than the conflict between federal and state personnel at the border right now. Now that all could change if Biden orders these people to do something different from what's going on. Or if, as we'll get to in a moment, he tries to federalize the Texas National Guard, which 
some of the more uh, bloodthirsty Democrats are calling for. Uh, Abbott, um, he uh, he responded to uh, Democrats calling for Biden to make that federalization move in the Texas National Guard. As in, uh, if Biden steps in and takes them under his command directly and, and orders them to stand down from whatever Greg... Which is illegal. Greg, which is illegal. Uh, nothing, yeah. It's all illegal. Yeah, it's... Nationalize uh, it. Nationalize it. Yeah, I was, right. I was curious about that question. So I, I posted a video about that yesterday, getting into the specifics of when a president can and cannot do that. Because uh, I don't know a lot of history on that and what the law says. But uh, that is posted on, on my website and over on Tenet's... Uh, YouTube and Rumble channels if you want to check that out. But but Greg Abbott spoke with Tucker Carlson on Friday and he said, hey, if um if Biden tries that, he tries to take command of the Texas National Guard, orders them to stand down. Abbott is just going to hire some more state workers and put them right back to work building more razor wire fences. If the administration declares that it plans to federalize the National Guard of the state of Texas, your National Guard, what will be your response? Well, first, I'll be shocked. That would be a boneheaded move on his part, a total disaster. Uh, but for one, as you might imagine, we are prepared uh, in the event that that unlikely event does occur to, to make sure that we will be able to continue exactly what we've been doing over the past month, and that is uh, building these barriers. Of the couple of dozen Republican-led states who've pledged support for you, um, how many do you think would send National Guard to Texas? I'll be shocked and disappointed if almost all of them do not send. There, there have been about 10 so far that have sent National Guard or uh, other law enforcement. They now are joined together with us. And this is a fight for the future of America, and they all know it. And so I believe that they will all be in on this effort. I was unclear. I interpreted that to mean like, oh, they're sending them right now. I, I was reading about it um, what he's referring to when he says 10 states have already sent National Guard, it's kind of over the course of the last year. Uh, you know, here's the thing about this with, with me. I um, Well, first of all, the whole federalizing of National Guard troops in one state or another, The this is all, again, these are questions, these are actions that people only really expect or think that there's actual authority um, to do something like this because we we really don't know our asses from our elbows. Uh, in, in the United States, on a federal level, the president is only the commander-in-chief of the armed forces during declared times of war. We haven't had one of those in many generations at this point. And the whole War Powers Act, that crap, not constitutional. The Constitution has not been amended. Nothing has been amended. So this is just about uh, people centralizing power and making things up and creating new traditions based on bad habits. That's that's really all there is. There's nothing to it. Um, as far as the this this the razor wire in Eagle Pass, I'm always a, a fan of of states BTFOing, doing the whole BTFO to the the federal government. I'm always a fan of it. I, I'd like to see proper political distance put between states and the federal government, but it, it's just a little bit too much for me to try to get all excited about two and a half miles along a, gigant, a gigantic border that is just Texas's alone, and Texas being the only one of four border states that is even semi-conscious on the issue and the urgency. And I say semi-conscious because we're at the top of the ninth inning right now, and now we're just having conversations about razor wire and one point of entry. Uh, so I, 
there's a lot here that is just I, I think just all all for show. I think that it, there's good fodder for good conversations about what is legal, what is constitutional, and what the the border states should be doing. And the fact that they're not doing it, and the fact that the feds are actually working to counter legitimate small time actions by the states to take some kind of control out there um, is yeah. telling in itself. So we're always being reminded of what the hell's going on here. But most of the stuff that's floated out there, you know, the federalizing of troops over here, this and that, it's all based on bullshit. It's all bullshit. And we believe it. Um, the, the federal government should be literally helpless, helpless right now. Well, they're kind and, of exposing themselves as helpless a little bit right here, because I want to talk about Biden's choice in a minute, because he's he really doesn't have a great choice here. I certainly take your point that we're talking about such a small piece of what is a wide open gap in our and, security. And let, me, let, me, Those, let me say real quick, butt yeah. sex is a big part of what's going on. <laughs> Thank you down for enforcing it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, one thing I wanted to say on this too, even I mean, I think this is a step in the right direction. I appreciate states stepping up and willing to take action when the federal government refuses. Um, so I, I think it's a, a benefit, even if it's not nearly what is needed. But I did want to extend some credit your way because as we've watched over the course of the last couple of years with this uh, mockery of the asylum system, and the response prior has been, isn't it funny to ship migrants to Chicago and New York? And I get it. The Martha's Vineyard bit exposed the hypocrisy and it you know, it was fun to talk about. But you were one of the few people I heard like, OK, have a chuckle. Uh, but <laughs> this is not the this is not the dunk that you think it is. And all of a sudden we're closing down schools in your neck of the woods because we have no place to put these people because we shipped them into the country's interior. So I just, you know, you, you were one of the saner voices on that. And I want to acknowledge well, it. Here's an example for you. Everybody thinks that Chicago and New York City are islands because, yeah, the boroughs, the five boroughs is I mean, we, we're it's a blight, a blight. I'm not I'm outside of all of that. Uh, not too far away, but I'm I'm outside of all that into the suburbs, into Westchester. but. um New York is not an island. Chicago's not an island. And when these cities are just completely drained of all their resources and when people are living in, in tents outside in zero degree weather, you know, what do we start seeing? That we had this kid, Nick Shirley, on the show not too long ago. He's a young um, citizen journalist who uh, came from Utah over to New York City, can speak fluent Spanish, and went and snuck into some of these migrant facilities in the Roosevelt Hotel and other things. And he's telling, asking people about their experiences, what they're doing, where they're coming now. Um, and many of them are saying, like, we got to get out of here. We can't take the cold. There's no work. We're getting dicked around, all this stuff. They're being given bus tickets to where? Places like Georgia, red states. The, the state, everybody's dunking on a Eric Adams. He's a complete moron retard, no doubt about it. But they're not going to stay here. And the fact that I live in New York and Eagle Pass might as well be two miles away. All right. I mean, it's been like this over here for a long, long time, as far as people who are clearly not citizens are just changing the face of everything. If you think that it's not going to be just as easy for people who have had enough with the limited resources in these so-called sanctuary states to just diffuse somewhere else, I mean, it, it was it's, the most stupid thing to, to, to push people further into the... There is cartel activity here. And I mean, specifically on the strip of I-90 on which I live between Minneapolis and Seattle. And I, I don't want to overstate it. It's not like I'm driving through Juarez every day. But we had, within recent months in Bozeman, Montana, we had an illegal alien driving drunk down the interstate 
the wrong way and gotten a head on collision with someone and killed them. You know, I, I know that that is statistically minor compared to what's going on in a lot of other places, but that is an American life that is taken for what? Why? I know. I know. And so, I mean, to your point, it's, it's everywhere, even in, you know, cowboy Yellowstone parts of the country that we think nobody lives, that kind of stuff. Well, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll give Ron DeSantis a, uh, a hat tip, um, for the, the Martha's Vineyard stunt, because you're talking about people who are already in Florida, about 50 of them that were sent to Martha's Vineyard to watch them, you know, have their, their, their morning mimosas, uh, disrupted and 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 quickly within 36 hours ship them off to an air force base it was that, funny the evacuation that was, yeah that i'll give him a hat tip for that was funny yeah but as far as the border states i mean they have every texas and the three other border states they have a legal and moral responsibility to repel not process the invasion uh, that that that's just what it is um yeah. uh, that I, I don't know a couple of uh, clips i just wanted to play on this topic before we move on um <laughs> You mentioned that uh, that Lindsey Graham needs to be the tip of the spear in the coming conflict with Iran. Uh, as far as this federalization of the Texas National Guard, the journalists need to be the tip of that spear. They need to go take command of the Texas National Guard themselves. I've I've seen nobody advocating this harder than, well, a couple of the Texas members of Congress, that nerd um, Joaquin Castro, Julian's brother, oh. and then Beto, Beto, I mean, Whatever Beto wants to do with guns or taking command of the Texas National Guard, I also advocate for. But listen, this is this is um, Andrew Feinberg of the Independent lobbying Karine Jean Pierre. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? When are you going to when are you going to take over the, the the Texas National Guard? Come on, you got to do it. It's very very important. Texas Guard, Texas National Guard soldiers, and National Guard soldiers from other states are being used to frustrate federal authority. They are being used to get in the way of federal immigration enforcement and to flout a court order from a federal court. At what point does the president step in and say, enough of that, these are American soldiers, I am federalizing the National Guard and ordering them to let the Border Patrol do their jobs because they took an oath to the Constitution and I am their commander in chief. When does oh enough become enough? I'm not going to speculate on any actions the president could could use. I'm just not. I, I'm not, I'm just not going to do that. When, whenever they call you a traitor, whenever you see treason trending on Twitter, this is the most confounding part of it because you hear stuff like you hear these people who are absolutely mindless in their ramblings they have no understanding of you know america what america was what the concept what it's been codified here how we're supposed to where the relate the proper relationship between the states and the federal government they have absolutely no understanding so when they call you a traitor i always all of us traitors for one reason or another for flouting court orders and opinions and making making it hard for the border patrol to not do anything I, I like what, what are you talking about? What's the interference? They're not doing anything. They're bringing people in. They're giving them, you know, uh, solar blankets and tacos. I, I just don't get it. But I always ask myself, what nation, what nation are we betraying? You know, what, what tell us a little bit more about this breakaway nation that you represent, that we are somehow committing to treason. It's really an interesting thing. I would love to hear one of them answer a line of questions that that really um 
that answer that for me. I, I would love to hear yeah, it because America every, is a country defined by being no country at all. You know, it, it, like anyone can come in, but you must have loyalty to whoever does, I guess. Uh, there was also an exchange between Peter Ducey and John Kirby and Peter Ducey is asking the question, at least one related to what you're saying. Like, why are you guys making it easier for people to cross the border in this way? And just listen to the weird knot that, uh, that white house national security advisor, John Kirby wraps himself in here. Why are you guys making it easier for people to enter the country illegally? I believe we are. Why do you think we are? Well, you guys sued to cut razor wire that was put in place by Texas officials. So that the border patrol could actually do their jobs, but keep going. The border patrol needed access and that's why we sued to get rid of that uh, razor wire so that they could do their jobs. Does razor wire work? Does razor wire work for what? Does it work for the border patrol to allow them to have the access they need to be able to uh, to better process people that are uh, trying to get across the border? I don't think so. Okay, so it only blocks border patrol agents, but not From migrants. Bringing people in. It's, what's the term for a filter that only works one way? It's kind of like that. I don't know. Yeah, it, uh, it only blocks it, it blocks border patrol agents from bringing people in. Yes, yeah. it's it, it's what he's saying. It's <laughs> it's incredible. This rat man, he's he. I hate the beady eyes of John Kirby. He's a rat bitch. And and on the other side of that, you got border patrol saying, "Hey, uh, we actually appreciate Texas National Guard putting up the uh, border or the razor wire. You know, the one that blocks us from doing our jobs. We really appreciate that they're doing it because it does, in fact, uh, stop at least some entry." Uh, just a hilarious, um, a hilarious exchange there. But I, I wanted to mention quickly, just, I, I don't know. I'll be curious to get your thoughts, how you think Biden will handle this because Biden's choice, he's in a really terrible spot here. And I mean, politically, of course, the country is in a bad spot for all the reasons we've been discussing, but politically for him, he could go heavy handed in the way that the journalists want by seizing control of the national guard or trying to stop people from doing any of this enforcement that's going on. But all it takes is just one little dispute there to get very messy. Or he could have, if this Border Patrol Union statement is representative of the rest of them, some kind of revolt within Border Patrol itself in response to his heavy handedness. So that's risky if he gets really heavy handed. On the other side of it, if he keeps doing what he appears to be doing and just saying, hey, you guys better stop it, but then never actually doing anything, he looks completely weak and ineffective, which is politically damaging for all the reasons that his polls are you know, in down in the, in the trash because he is weak and ineffective. So normally, if I was going to predict what Biden's going to do here, he has not shown restraint in executive action in really any yeah. context. So I'd, I hesitate to say like, ah, he's not going to do shit beyond this. But it looks like that's so far what he's doing. You guys better not do that. Shakes his finger and then doesn't do anything. What do you what do you think his course of action is going to be in the coming weeks? Well, I think there's two things. The, the the first thing could be that um, he does just soften up a little bit more because of how bad it looks and just allows this to, to just kind of play out and make it look like it was a victory when it, it just kind of allays all the fears and all of the frustration of people who are constantly obsessing over the real crisis at the southern border that is... Um, I mean, it's been going on for very, very many years, but we're looking at like end phase parts of this operation now. Like this is the bum bum rush at the end of an operation now. 
So uh, I don't want to see like, oh, this it's getting worse. No, it's been very bad. I think the damage is irreparable at this point. But um, but because everybody's fine focusing on two and a half miles at Eagle Pass, I think that that um, that Joe Biden can actually, if he is a little bit not heavy handed, could actually allay the fears of people who are focusing in on the barbed wire in this little patch of land in one of four uh, border states, you know, three of which have no interest whatsoever in doing anything meaningful to stem the tide of people who are crossing over, then maybe that's enough to, you know, throw a dog a bone on the other side. The questions I was thinking about a lot here too, is that where there are plenty of ways for this standoff, that this standoff can lead to escalation of force because of course they, the one thing they never want to do uh, uh, as a greater picture is have there be any question about whether or not the federal government is supreme over the states that created it, which it is not. It is absolutely not, but they want people to make sure that they believe that the federal government, because it is large, inflated, and mutated, is in fact the the righteous, uh, I don't know, the, the righteous hub of all authority on, on, in the land. Whereas everything, a lot of things can escalate this. I would not... Um, I don't know. You'll really see a bigger standoff if, like I said this past week, if states really begin rejecting the money to and from D.C. And this is what you've been getting a lot with when secession and civil war starts trending on on uh, on Twitter from time to time. If you look into all of the left wing tanky shills out there that are 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 taunting people thinking that this whole thing with Texas and Eagle Pass is about secession. They they're all like, yeah, go ahead. Try to leave. You you're, you're on the hook for $60 billion a year from the federal government. You're all mooches and all that. You can't live without us. The whole, that whole shit there. And, 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 you know, even though they're, they're coming at it from a, you know, a sadistic crazy ex lover standpoint, like before they are, they're, they're spitting truth because the States they do not have political financial autonomy to be meaningfully sovereign. Everybody has to just remind themselves of that. When that happens, if states actually start looking at how they can get off the federal education block grants, social security, how they can generate things for their citizens in state and get away from the methadone drip from Washington, DC, that is when we're going to have a problem. When that happens, that's when we will get a 21st century real-time lesson about what the Civil War was really about, okay? Complete with predictable splits in public opinion and all that stuff because um, that, that's where it's really at. You know, Lincoln, Lincoln invaded the South to prevent states from peacefully seceding, whether or not they stated slavery as a, uh, as a purpose or not. But we, 150 years plus later, we would find ourselves in a position to witness similar action taken against the states who would merely be trying to take measure to restore proper political balance between them and D.C. You know, that's that's how is this one going to be twisted in the future? How is this going to be propagandized? It seems like it would be tough, but they'll find a way. They will certainly find a way. Oh, no doubt about it. And and that's been my biggest conclusion about all this. uh, Whenever we have discussed it over the last week. It wouldn't even take a formal secession movement to trigger a militant response from the feds at this point. That is how toxic and out of bounds in virtually all matters Washington, D.C. is. So Eagle Pass, we'll see what happens. It could just be a dog 
getting thrown a bone. Um, but the the bigger question about whether or not we're really going to put our money with our mouths is is to be able to start rejecting money coming into states from DC and sending money. Yeah, to I mean, DC. I I think that if yeah if, if there was a movement to deny them the tax revenues uh, that that get sent their way, which is its own mystery. If they can just print the money, why we even have to send them that money in the first place? But all of that, the, the problem or the difficulty with that is how baked into the cake all of that stuff is too. And that's, uh, yeah. as I've told the story many times, it was a life-changing experience when I went into business for myself. And to this day, I still have to send the IRS their, their crooked money each and every month. I have to separate with that. I have to type in the number. I have to navigate the 1990s federal website and type the number in that I'm going to send them each month. And I have to separate with it with action on my own part rather than just having it deducted from my paycheck and when it's all baked in in that way number one people don't realize how the degree to which they're separating from that money but it's it's hard to do like now you got to get all the employers on board and you got to get everybody who you know is too afraid to stand up to the feds in this way the individual it's not that you can't do it it's just harder to do it and the way it's been baked into everything so that you don't even see it happening uh, as clearly as you should it's hard to undo but i i certainly agree that if we could figure out a way to to remove the financial flow, there's nothing morally wrong with that. You know, you you take the you, you debate the morality of violence, and when that is and is not appropriate, there is nothing morally wrong with saying, uh, "I do not wish to send you the money that you say you are entitled to, but I don't consent to." There's there's no moral problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, and it's actually the legal the the proper legal position that the states should be should be coming to. That that is like a the state's ability to line item veto. The things that the the, the federal government is asking for, yeah. but they, they, see, see, there is a a gun to the head of people that you totally. oh you want your your highway funds? Well, then you that's know, how they do. You, it. And to the, your point on the the Twitter exchanges, that's how it's always characterized. Oh yeah, well, huh, I take it you're going to opt out of your social security. You're going to opt out of your Medicare. Yes, where do I do that? Where do I get to say I I right? wish not to take part in this, and in exchange, I will not send you my contribution for that because I can't believe I have the audacity to think that I maybe. I could manage my fan finances and my family's finances better than the federal government can. I should be allowed to take that risk if I'm so daring as to make that assumption. If I dare defy the retirement planners at the Social Security Administration. But anyway, yeah. it, it would be interesting to see, though, as, as everybody has spoken about Texas and its prospects for independence. Yeah, I know that it, it produces enough, especially just in energy production enough it can be a uh you know it could it could really go out there and compete on the world uh the world stage i would be really interested just as a role-playing standpoint what would happen you know if if the if a, a peaceful secessionist movement came forward and texas voted in a referendum sweeping majorities that we want to leave we want to go off on our own we feel like the contract with dc with the, the general government has been broken and we want to walk away from the table there's there's nothing holding us here it would be interesting. A already secession. The, the 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 question of peaceful secession was settled in the shedding of nearly a million lives over 150 years ago. So there's going to be that precedent, even though legally it had not been settled, and they avoided doing that with Jefferson Davis uh, using the 14th Amendment to avoid that trial with him. But but legally, the precedent of bloodshed to prevent secession that's one thing. Let's say that they actually were able to get independence. I like I like trying to hypothesize what 
Texas would be doing the first thing, the first day as an independent nation, because they got to get a diplomatic corps put together quick. They have to go out there and try to navigate the international trade waters. You're probably going to get embargoed by um, by the United States like they used to do to Cuba. So would they be, would Texas become BRICS nation? Would it be, what, what would it be? I would love to see what actually, if all things were equal and they had their independence tomorrow, what's the first thing that they do? Because they're going to have a very stiff competitor up, up top that's not going to be dealt with by DC for a long time, I'd have to imagine. Well, we're going to find out when we do the stream in 10 years time after Blonde has had her, I don't know, seventh or eighth child that she says she's not going to have. So that, oh, okay. that's when we'll be talking about the state of Texas and you'll have the answer then. I want to, uh, I got a few more items to discuss before we uh, catch up with chat and, and call it a night, but I want to make sure I leave enough for them. Um, I've been following this Fannie Willis development because file this under things that I think uh, it's like, it's shocking, but it's still uh, in the of course category. You know, it's not just that it was a politically corrupt targeted prosecution of Trump for, you know, Democrat party benefit. Of course, Fannie Willis was personally enriching herself in this way. And I'm sure you're familiar with the nature of the allegations, but just to, just to refresh the audience on, on what's going on here. Um, of course, this is the Fulton County case, the Atlanta case in which there's you know, Trump and 18 other co-defendants are caught up in this racketeering scheme uh, that they were trying to undo the Georgia election results. And, and Fannie Willis is the DA there. And Fannie Willis mysteriously hired Nathan Wade, an inexperienced personal injury lawyer who has never actually tried a felony case, but for some reason is the pick to uh, to prosecute uh, the, one of the most high profile cases in the country that is massive in scale. And you start poking around at why that might be as the lawyer for one of the Trump co-defendants, Michael Roman, did. Why would she hire this man? Uh, it, it's because they're sleeping together. They're literally in butt sex, in, essentially. I'm sure they probably did. Fanny is is probably uh, freaky in that way. Thank that one was a lot less forced. I, I, you're catching yeah. on. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying here. I know that the clock is ticking. I have like 13 more to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so so she's been sleeping with this guy, and she hires him, pays him almost a million dollars in state money to prosecute this case. And, and a lot of it appears to be coming back to her in the form of him taking her on vacations and other personal benefits for Fannie Willis. And that was all an allegation made uh, until last week. We got some filings from the uh, current wife, soon to be divorced ex-wife of Nathan Wade in that court proceeding in which she showed, yeah, here's the credit card statements and look, here's airfare for Fannie Willis off to San Francisco to go to Napa Valley. And here's where he booked uh, you know, the cruise tickets that they took together and all this. Um, and and so now we have some tangible evidence here and it, it appears that the investigation is heating up. So uh, CNN is reporting that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade are expected to be expected to be subpoenaed in, in the racketeering case. So CNN says Thursday, Fannie Willis, Nathan Wade and others will be subpoenaed to text uh, to testify next month on whether the pair should be disqualified from prosecuting the Trump racketeering case as requested by Michael Roman's lawyer, the Trump co-defendant. Uh, if that happens, like all the hearings in uh, the Georgia racketeering case, it will be live streamed. So you can, as to whether butt sex was involved, you will see that on the stream as all witnesses. Their, their testimony. I, I, I love how the, the 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 bogus Trump trial is still going on, and now as a side quest, we have a trial of the people who are putting it all together and ingratiating each other and enriching yeah. each other, and it, it's um it's something. Now this is the trial that had that really 
weird, squirrely, witch-like creature. The 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 jury yes, foreman. She was, was the making, grand jury foreman. I mean, no. the fact that this is well, again, it goes back to the mentality and the real, you know, the the machine that's driving these cases that we were talking about in the opening. The fact that she went on a little media tour, that little squirrely thing. I'm not and, not uh, saying that we're going to charge Trump. Uh, that's what that's what she was doing. That oh yeah, well, she said I'm not saying we're going to charge Trump with that little devious look, but yeah. I put way too much time into this to not have anything happen. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what she's essentially saying. I'm like, yeah. I, I, is, are they offering this up as a slam dunk for the appeal because they just they know that as time goes on, there's going to be they're going to hit a wall, but they just need to waste time. Yeah, I I, I don't I don't know, but the fact that Fannie Willis is you know, skimming. This is the same, whether they're federal prosecutors, district's attorney, or anything like that, or whether they're they're running a, a local school board, it, the, the skim is everywhere. You give people a $5,000 budget, they're going to find a way to put one-fifth of it in their pockets. And yeah. if they can get, if they can have some butt sex along the way, then they'll do it. February 15th is when we may have a chance to hear this testimony. Again, the subpoenas are not yet official. CNN reporting that they're forthcoming, though, so I'd expect confirmation of that shortly. Meanwhile, the um, the Georgia State Senate has uh, moved to start their own investigation, which will have subpoena power, uh, and they voted this week to do that. So they, too, will be able to require people to testify under oath, including potentially Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade themselves. And there's also a, a movement to impeach Fannie Willis now introduced in the Georgia State House. That's kind of symbolic, uh, sort of like at the federal level. They, you know, they would need a two-thirds Senate majority to actually remove her. They don't have that, but we might see some movement in the Georgia State Legislature about this. But mm. the Fanny, the Fanny Show continues on, uh, and I, I can't if, if if they are forced to testify about the nature of their trips together under oath on camera. I am certainly tuning in. I can't wait to watch. That would be um, like uh, Michael Michael Scott and uh, and uh, and Jan going to Jamaica together in the office. Um, but but again, Matt, real quick, the jury foreman, the jury forewoman, and the two of the people running this thing being uh, sexually infatuated with each other. How is this not a mistrial from one side to the other? Well, that's what uh, Michael Roman's lawyer is arguing for. Just the, because the trial is not yet commenced, they need to be disqualified and the case dismissed. That's what he's seeking. So we'll see if the judge agrees. But uh, I, t- to your point, if, if you can show me that, which it appears Jocelyn Wade, the, the, the scorned wife of Nathan Wade, she has the receipts. Yeah, I mean, it, it would appear not only is this uh, politically motivated hackery, dis- you know, disguised as legitimate litigation. Uh, it is a get-rich-quick scheme for Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis personally, and how they could—I don't know what the te- legal technicals are, but just kind of from a layman perspective, how someone who who used the thing as a scam to get personally rich could possibly be the prosecutor on the case. She needs to be removed from office at that point. But that's the impeachment point. Like, you could show. They've all but shown this already happened. The receipts are there. <laughs> Will a single Democrat in the Georgia State Senate say, yeah, you know, that's over the line. I think you could even say, I think Trump did some stuff. I think the racketeering case is legit and I want it to still be prosecuted once Fannie Willis is gone. But on principle, I can't have somebody who's who used her position as a public official to enrich herself with wine country vacations or something. She can't be prosecuting the case. Can, can we just get that level of integrity? You won't see a single one of them do it. Guaranteed. Mm. 
Um, I did have a story in here. I'm going to move on for the sake of time, but <laughs> I just just want to say pour one out for the journalists in 2024 because the mass layoffs have begun. And there's a great, a great piece in CNN by Oliver Darcy explaining why 3,000 journalists have been laid off. And you know why it is? It's not because their work is untrustworthy and no one wants to read it or watch it. It's because... Netflix and TikTok and other places have been doing so well that the advertisers know that's where the bang for their buck is. It's not because people are tuning away from CNN and the rest of the places because of the bullshit. It's just like, how could you compete with the latest TikTok challenge where all the advertising revenue definitely wants to go? It's apparently in the last few years, people have just stopped news consumption in favor of TikTok pranks or something like the that. fire they, challenge. Yeah, they don't consume news in any way anymore. That's uh, I don't know. It's a mystery. Dude, it, what happened? It, it's a it's a part of the big checkout. People are checking out. I mean, I, I that's how we started a little bit. You know, when you asked me about what's going on in my life uh, in the opening, that that's a it's a big it's a big driver of how how I program my own show now. You know, you got to you got to keep up with the Joneses. You see what what's going on, what's relevant and how current events, you know, ties into a past event. And you can make you can take something that's stale and and find a, an interesting twist and turn it into another topic for sure. But the average person is checked out, man. Absolutely. I don't blame um, them. I mean, you know, when you say checked out, too, it sometimes has a negative connotation, uh, which I'm not saying you mean, uh, but you know, oftentimes people interpret it that way. But it, yeah, it is, it's important to be, um, sort of politically conscious uh, for all the consequential reasons we've discussed equally important though, is having a purpose for your life that makes politics itself important. The value of politics, the importance of politics is to protect what is the value of our families, our lives, our homes. If you are not taking the time away from the news cycle to be a husband, to be a father, to build something meaningful within your own home, what the hell's the point of paying attention to it in the first place, you know? And so um, that's the only point I want to raise is like, you need a checkout. Don't be totally disengaged, but don't feel bad about having the checkout either, you know? No, you're you're right. And and what I I guess what I would, uh, you know, add as a little addendum to all that is that the the checking out is... When every damn thing, when you take a local story and you make it into a national uh, catastrophe, when you when you try to put the weight of the world on everybody, that each individual here here's that we're gonna we're gonna solve the climate together. Everybody vote as hard as you can, and we'll be able to turn down the thermostat of the fucking planet. Yeah, you know, sh- shit like that. That's ridiculous. Checking out from shit like that, which is an obvious scam. And doubling down into things that are worthy of your time, family, friends, local action, taking care of your community, volunteering, becoming a youth sports coach, uh, cleaning up a park, planting some trees, whatever the hell it is, being proactive and being hands on. That is what we don't need no black pill. But what I would say is uh, focus all of your white pill energy on things that you can control because things like federal, the federal government, Washington, D.C., that's an irreparable bog. You're not going to no, Nobody is cleaning that up. That is, that's like trying to, that's like, that's trying to, you know, sell. I, I don't know what it's hell. It's hell on earth. And you're going to drive yourself nuts. If you think that every time that you, you know, you're, you're just one, you're just one telegram reblog away from being able to, to break down the, the walls or, you know, you'll be the one to put the, the handcuffs on John Podesta. If you just get angry about the late, it, it, it's you, you have to just take things responsibly or else you lose days of your life. 
though, as I know you have experience in, I, I fell for the delusion of thinking that I could possibly control a two-year-old. You know, you think you can have <laughs> control over your own domain and then a two-year-old enters your life. And it's like, I know. Wonderful, isn't it? You have to surrender that too. All right. I know you know the tradition on this show that each and every week we have a little bit of uh, hoax hate. So it's that time. It's time for the hoax hate crime of the week. And now the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. This is an update. It was actually announced 10 days ago. I missed it last week, but we covered this on the show. There was a story of a 13-year-old boy in La Jolla, California. Mm -hmm. is outside of San Diego. He was suspended from school in October for wearing too much eye black when he attended the football game. It was deemed blackface. But uh, according to the, the kid's parents, they're calling him J.A. He's only 13. Nobody said anything at the game. In fact, there was a black security guard who said, that's cool. In fact, you should put on more eye black so you look even more sinister. Um, The week after the game, nobody objected to him, to his presence, his allegedly blackface presence at at the game. But he was called into the principal's office with his parents. And uh, the principal at Muirlands Middle School suspended him for two days for this uh, racial crime. And uh, the update in the story is now the parents are suing They have filed a lawsuit in federal court uh, seeking the removal of this suspension from uh, J.A.'s um, record because they say it'll it'll have a negative impact on his ability to apply to schools and jobs and things in the future. But they're saying it's a violation of his First Amendment rights to free speech and that he was denied due process by the school. So this is the the blackface was not only a matter for suspension from school, it's now a matter for the federal courts to resolve. Is he going to get money? How much money does he stand to make? Because I hope that the, he he puts the whole damn school out of business. I don't think there's a like a uh, a financial angle on this. At oh, least if I'm reading it correctly, I think be. they just want. Hey, you have to remove the suspension from his school record. I think is all they're asking for. Unless I'm mistaken. Man. I mean, it is to your point. There's they're accusing him of being a racist. I suppose maybe there's a defamatory angle. He he should consult Roberta Kaplan on defamation strategies either that or he should run for prime minister of canada he, he <laughs> would he, he can become the prime minister one of canada of so we'll keep an eye on that now there's a there's a in phoenix there's been this story of an, an anti-gay murder over the last few months this this oh, no. uh, gay man he turned up dead in a park and it was obviously a hate crime it was definitely a hate crime uh we gotta you know we, it needs to be prosecuted as a hate crime the suspect's are actually identified in this case before we get into the specifics though, it's looking like it's following the path of the Matthew Shepard, uh, saga. Do you know much about the history of Matthew Shepard or that particular event? I uh, know. Give me the, give me the cliff notes. It sounds familiar. It'll probably so, come back to me. Matthew Shepard is the namesake for the federal hate crime law. He was uh, killed in 1998 in, in Laramie, Wyoming or outside of it. And he was a gay man. And the narrative since the conviction of his killers has been uh, that Matthew Shepard made a pass at some guys at a bar and they didn't take kindly to it. And so they killed him. They beat him up and they strung him up on a fence and he froze out in the Wyoming, the Wyoming cold. Now he was killed and those killers to the two men were convicted for the murder, but there's been a lot of investigation and research into what happened in the time since there was a 2013 book uh, that came out 
in well, it came out in 2013 and, and went into the details of what happened here. And uh, oh, I must have lost my highlight. But uh, but it turns out uh, Matthew Shepard was previously involved with one of the men who killed him. The guy's name was Aaron McKinney, and he's in jail. Oh. Uh, but Aaron McKinney and Matthew Shepard were involved in the drug trade together. Shepard was set to receive $10,000 worth of meth around the time that he was killed. And not only that, like, do we have a drug dispute as a part of what happened here um, for the claim that this was anti-gay hatred? This Aaron McKinney actually had a previous sexual relationship with Matthew Shepard. So a very bizarrely pro-gay Yes. Anti-gay hate crime. They're, they're gay drug traffickers. Yeah, and they killed so, each other. You know, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy, and of course that that that's one of those things that'll get swept under the under the rug. But you know, that's what most of the whenever I said another trans person was murdered. The five trans persons were murdered this year. Um, I re- I think it was Andy No, who was the first to really report on this. Well, and then you dig into it and you realize it's one hundred percent true. But most of the trans murders, you you look into them and a uh, a sizable number of them, and there's not that many every year, but a sizable number of them uh, usually happen around the the theme of sexual deception. Yes. <laughs> they, and, we prefer the term fraudulent blowy on this show okay. because we talk so, about it quite frequently. Yeah. You know, you, you, you want to, you, you're with somebody, you, you know, I don't know how you, maybe you're drunk and you, you just miss certain markers there, yep. but then whatever uh so sexual deception when you realize you've been deceived or when you feel or when there's a a, a, you know prostitution that's going on soliciting a prostitution yeah that it's usually between deceiving somebody in a sexual situation or a violent death due to uh illicit uh behavior like you know whoring yourself out you know what else drives these statistics because you're right that it Statistically, the numbers are so low that the trans population is at a lower probability of murder than the population generally. The whole thing is a lie, even if you grant that they're murders, which to your point, they're not at least like anti-trans murders. They're they're not. But right. it's the Puerto Ricans, man. The Puerto Ricans are driving that. You look at it, it'll be like 30 murders on the year, like five or six or seven of them will be in Puerto Rico. And I'm supposed to believe that that uh, means that, you know, it's it's all us hateful people up in like, uh, you know, country bumpkin territory up here in Montana yeah. who are killing the trannies. No, it's Puerto Ricans, man. The Puerto Ricans are the ones who hate the transgender people. But uh, I was a, I can imagine that. I didn't know why. Didn't know why she just, <laughs> she just I, kept asking me for butt sex over and over again. I just yes, didn't know why. Dude, you're, you're killing it on this. I love it. Uh, to bring this back to. The story. Okay, so we're getting a very similar narrative out of of Phoenix, and uh, here's a news clip again. Uh, uh, openly gay man. His name's uh, Bernardo Pantaleon, thirty years old. Openly gay man murdered. Pantaleon. Yeah, Pantaleon, Pantaleon is off. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he did. Before and actually, the, his body uh, was mutilated too. And oh, it's an anti-gay hate crime. Here's some of the reporting. Oh, sorry. Many in the Valley's LGBTQ community on high alert in light of two disturbing murder investigations. This is a tragic and absolutely senseless and frankly horrible event. Jeremy Helfgott is the spokesperson for Phoenix Pride. The murder of Bernardo Pantaleon is 
just inexcusable. Police say the 30-year-old was shot multiple times by 21-year-old Leonardo Santiago. Then his body was mutilated after he was killed. Court records show the suspect celebrated Pantaleon's death, making derogatory remarks about his sexuality, then sending photos and videos of Pantaleon's body to his loved ones. The LGBTQ plus community has been under increased levels of threat. The community oh, come always on. comes back and stands strong, and this will be no exception. Now, there are a couple different angles of complication here. It's back in the news because many people are wondering, well, why, where's you got the suspects? There are four of them, including Leonardo Santiago, the guy mentioned in the story who is, is alleged to have killed him. It's back in the news because because the family wants to know where's the hate crime charge because that's not a part of the case. And in the in the NBC subheading, uh, Leonardo Santiago, again, the accused killer, is also accused in a slaying months earlier of a man whom Phoenix authorities say he had a sexual relationship with. They just bury the lead and everything. OK, so again, Authorities described a sexual encounter with another man because, as the reporting said there, this is the second this is the second gay guy who showed up dead, who's been murdered. Now, how did how did this develop? Leonardo Santiago was arrested pursuant to the murder of the, the other gay guy who was killed in uh, in May of last year or it was in March uh, of last year. They then got him to confess to the murder of this latest guy in November. Well, what what is the he had a sexual relationship with? What do you mean? Well, you dig a little further into the story and see some other reporting. Now, this accused anti-gay killer, Leonardo Santiago, in this report, you can't see it, Frank, but I assure you, he has well managed. He's just he's using, I don't know, Pantene or something. His condition is he's, he's I'll see it on on, uh, on delay. We'll yeah, see he's uh, he's a very um, well presented oh, man. Uh, so. <laughs> What is his sexual relationship? Well, police gained access to his cell phone and discovered a Snapchat conversation between Castillo and another person arranging to meet for sex at the location where Castillo was killed. So, okay, so he's Snapchatting other guys. Hey, you want to meet up for whatever activity? And then he, according to police investigators, it is believed the victim was engaged in a sexual encounter with a male at or around the time of his murder, according to court documents. So just like Matthew Shepard, this is a very pro-gay anti-gay murder apparently like the guy's showing up and getting blown by a dude before he blows that dude's head off with a gun which is what happened in this case exactly so, exactly okay they have uh, it they have it they'll they'll, 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 they'll and they'll, they'll even find the uh the the uh the the gape shots that they're sending each other on on uh snapchat and it's they'll bury the lead and they'll just talk about how this just uh, another one Another one in a long line of uh, of of gay assaults that are going on. It's just all uh, it's just incredible. Here's another angle on it too, because maybe it maybe there is an anti-gay motive. I guess you could like be gay and hate gays. But here's the in a different headline: Phoenix New Times, Phoenix gang member charged with killing a gay man. Now even that doesn't note that the guy was himself gay, but gang member. That's very weird. Now, you read some of the reporting here, and it, it confirms that this guy and his three accomplices were involved in some sort of Phoenix gang. I forget the name it was, of it. It was a gay gang, but, wasn't it? <laughs> even if it was like anti-gay, I mean, to, to give as much credibility to that case as I could, they're all involved in the gang. I'm going to assume that that has something to do with it. Who is this gang? Now, I searched 
today to try to discover uh, what the legal status of the parties involved might be. And because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking even if this was an anti-gay killing that he has to demonstrate his um, worthiness to the gang or something, who's behind this gang? And um, might we have some concerns about border security for that reason? If the people crossing are anti-gay, then can we leave the razor wire up? Then is that is that OK? Or I guess what I'm saying is the gang Sorry, the gang leader is uh, Richard Simmons. <laughs> I can see that Richard Simmons. Guess, is he still alive? I remember smoking. Smoke. Oh yeah, he is. There's a biopic can't uh, just came out. Uh, Paulie Shore oh. is, plays Richard Simmons, and apparently Richard Simmons doesn't like it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I've had I have Richard Simmons on the mind tonight. So I've been looking for. Well, uh, you, I've been. You fit right in on this show and the themes of it. I would say. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Last story, and this is a similar theme. I got a kick out of this. Uh, I saw a headline in local Baltimore paper. Ah. Uh, Fleeing hate. Trans teacher finds peace in Baltimore after receiving threats in Anne Arundel, uh, some community in greater Maryland or the high school there. But this is Bill- there. This is Billy Horde now claims to be a woman. This man was transitioning. The story reads he knew it wouldn't be easy, but he never expected to receive such mean comments when he des- when he made the decision to become a woman. And they give examples. He received messages like, you fucking suck, you ugly groomer. I hope you die a painful, lonely death, you fucking pedo. You know, stuff like that. Some of them are a little more threatening than others. I'm not going to read them all, but they're in the story if you want to. Um, now, he, he received these messages while teaching at Chesapeake High School. And then he transferred to teach at Annapolis High School in Maryland until parents discovered him there and he received more threats. The story reads. So he has since moved on to Baltimore. He's teaching at a high school in Baltimore and he's finding you know, the safety that Baltimore is known for. He's really he's when he's not dodging bullets, he feels very safe in Baltimore. And you read through the story and it blames um, libs of TikTok for the harassment that he's received. Apparently right. he was featured by libs of TikTok. And so everyone sent him mean messages. And I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, OK, yeah, like this guy does look like a freak and. I suppose on the basis of appearance, I would have some uh, concerns if he was teaching one of my children. Uh, however, the messages are are fairly aggressive. Is that really, is that the full story? Like just the mere sight of this man prompts people to send him uh, very, very angry Instagram messages or something. You read down to your point on uh, burying important details. You scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. There paragraph, I don't know, 15. In October 2022, Horde said she, he, was placed on suspension after parents complained that he was inappropriate with students during his time as leader of the school's LGBTQ club. Oh, mm. he was inappropriate. Oh, there what was go. that about? You read more. November 2nd, 2022. Uh, on November 2nd, disturbing video footage began circulating on Twitter from inside his classroom. The videos originated on Facebook, first posted by a concerned mother. In one video, two students are seen laying on the ground together with one grinding on or humping the other in the middle of a class lecture. Another clip shows one student sucking at the stomach of another student. Both clips took place with this teacher present in the room, apparently unconcerned with the behavior. And you think, well, maybe that's maybe that's on the kids. He's. That's the kids doing bad things. That's not his fault. I didn't want to break it up. I would be hindering their expression of their... (laughs) Yes. It also came out that he was um, privately messaging with students on Discord and Instagram and other platforms. Now, 
There's some screenshots of the messages. At least here, I don't see anything necessarily sexual in theme. But again, that is not sanctioned by the school. You don't want your teacher just having uh, DMs with the students because they're really buddy-buddy or something like that. And given his comfort with inappropriate presentation in the classroom, one might speculate that perhaps the content of the messages were similar in theme. Uh, this is how it, oh, he's, he's just harassed. He's just a man who's harassed everywhere he goes. He can't escape it. Uh, yeah, you kind of, kind of buried the reason why he's getting the angry messages, aren't you? It, it's a, it's one of those situations, which is very, very common now that, uh, I mean, like you said before, you bury the lead and you throw it in people's face. It's libs of TikTok or anybody that takes this stuff and that it's, that's publicly available. It, it, in fact, there's a lot of kids that are just trying to get this out. You know, there's a lot of people that are filming inside of schools because they know that what they're seeing is ridiculous and it's going to go viral because anybody who's sane is going to think that it's it's inappropriate. And um, and what is it? What is it? It's, it? it's about covering up what is a very common part of the culture that they're trying to build and uh, the way that they groom children into sexual deviancy, because that that's really it. When you talk about identity issues like this, there's nothing that separates people except one fetish or another. So if you your identity is any number of genitors, uh, genitals, any number of uh, sexual orientations or whatever, and you're making new ones up every day, if the only way that you're able... If that's something that is just inside of you, a desire or something like that, that that constitutes your identity, then, I mean, what do you have to do? You have to act it out constantly. Everything that you do has to be sexual in nature. You have that has to be a driving force in your life or else nobody would know shit about you. You know, that's why the, the, the gay pride parades are so ridiculous as far as. As far as creating a a, a a scenario where, on a so, sociological standpoint, we're always just we're just coming to know people who are different from us that are otherwise not very different. Yeah, we're all blah blah. blah. Like, I, I, actually, no. I mean, I I don't have to. There's no reason why I would have to know why a person next to me online in one store or another may be gay, straight, or 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 whatever the hell else. But of course, because they are so intent on selling this identity bullshit everybody needs to live their act constantly they have to live their act you, you so they have, have to, to clap be... at gunpoint that's dude that's the end you have to until yeah until the um state mandated gay marriages come for all of us too which is you know stones throw away at this point but uh but that's it on the hoax hate we I, as i've said at the top of the show we don't have a movie review this week because blonde's out so we'll return with soylent green next week but uh but we got to catch up on the chat man and i i you know you've been here for two plus hours so i want to be respectful of your time you're welcome to hang out for chat you're welcome to hang out for some of it you're welcome to say good night for the evening if you prefer that too but i defer to whatever you let's uh, do it let's go for it well let's uh i got a lot on rumble last time so let me head on over to uh, our friends on tippy and youtube and i gotta refresh here but bear with me normally i have uh you know blonde on this task so it uh i don't have to rely on myself to navigate these things but uh here we go. Uh, Ryan Haas. Uh, I adore Blonde, and I hope everything is going and has gone smoothly, but Frank and Matt have such great chemistry. 
Thank you for uh, thank you so much for helping out, Frank. And thank you both for the great content. Well, appreciate your support, Ryan. And I'm glad uh, you enjoy the product. You know, it's not easy to have somebody step in and try to fill someone else's shoes. And Frank, you've always done that with reliability and comfort, which especially when especially when the the person you're you're stepping in for for the evening is so revered. You know, got and uh, feared. You got to and I know she's. You got to like have that imposing. Uh, you know, that imposing style about you, which is not, uh, well, I don't know to be as serious as possible. That's it's a mistake to try to go in and fill in for someone and be them. And I appreciate that. You know, you're not, you're not trying to do that. You're being Frank, the exact same guy who's on his own show, but you're so well-practiced in it that it's not, you know, I don't, you don't have to listen to me. You, you know how to do this better than I do at this point. Well, well, what was, what was, uh, it's a famous, uh, yogiism, Yogi Berra. When he was uh, he was coaching, and um, I, I forgot I forgot who he was coaching, and they're they're in a slump, and um, and one of the ways that the that the player that he was working with was trying to get out of a slump was to, you know, start changing his batting stance to be a little bit more like somebody else on the team who was doing well. Yeah, and Yogi simply said, "If you can't imitate him, don't copy him." And uh, <laughs> yeah, that, and that's just that's, it. So I, when I come on here, the last thing I'm trying to do is be blonde yeah. because. Yeah. How can you replace her? No, you can't. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I, 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 I guess she'll be back on Sunday, but like I said, I don't know. So I, I might be in the market again next week. We'll see what happens, but, uh, but appreciate it, Ryan. And, uh, Bocifa says, congrats, blonde. Uh, Frank, since there is no movie review, I'm wondering what you think of the original Blade Runner. How would you rank it on a scale of one to five? Matt, you can chime in as well. I swear we discussed this or maybe we didn't, but, People know my thoughts on Blade Runner. Do you do you have thoughts? And would you uh, it, it, the original? I, I, man, I, I on 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 one to five, I gave it a. I definitely give it a four. Oh. Uh, I, I give it a four, <laughs> man. I mean, listen, it, the pay, it's slow. It, it the pace is slow, but there there's something about that movie that's you more suck, like fuck you. It's more. It's it's more it, it's more like just steeping yourself into into the the environment of that dystopic you know that if you i don't know it's one of those things that i've had a lot of fun just being being in it um but uh i don't know that's just just that's just me at the risk of enraging you know it's one of the most polarizing movies i've i think i've ever encountered and there is there is a big contingent in our audience that loves it there's a big group i think that doesn't um it's one of those movies that even if i can appreciate its concept. I hate it so much in presentation for all the reasons that I've written in my review and for all the reasons people hate me for hating it. I won't revisit that, but, uh, Oh, anyway, what are you going to do? What are you yeah. going to do? I, the newer one. Did you watch the new one with uh, I, Ryan? Gosling? I liked it more. I think I graded. I, I gave the first one a one. It's one of my most hated movies in the history of our movie review bit. Uh, the, the second one I gave a three, uh, I thought it was better, uh, presentationally. And I thought it had some interesting, concepts to it too but if i were to readjust it i can say you know i said four um i can i can i can make the if i can be super critical i can bring it down to three and i would give the new one a 3.5 because i do believe that the new one i like the one new one better okay um so i'm not crazy in that opinion people lead me to believe that it's not one it's not one for me it's it's it's, i can't i'm not going with you on that one next we got to talk groundhog day the my my movie review crime of all time was giving groundhog day a three what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) groundhog dude that's a 
that that hit that hits home, man. You just sound like my wife, man. That's uh, that it, gets very, very. It was an obstacle in deep. my marriage, you know, like the devotion to Bill Murray. But uh, what anyway. about uh, what about have you have you seen um, the new Dune? No, I've never seen any of them, so I wouldn't be able to comment on that. But uh, okay, but all right. Uh, so well, you're filling it. Blonde loves Blade Runner, so you know you're you're matching that role in the show there. Uh, Jonathan Prezio says, "Hey guys, I know it's another country, but did you guys hear about the uh, Valdo Calacane? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. This guy's case in London. Basically, the guy does." a murderous rampage with a knife on camera, but they decide not to charge due to mental illness. I don't know that case. Do you? No, I don't. I'll have to look it up, but thank you for the, uh, is it the, the guy that down. was running through the running through the, um, the playground a couple of months ago? Don't know. He adds though. Okay. Just to clarify, this guy was clearly where this case was clearly a murder, but he got a plea deal for no jail time. If you can please, if you can, please watch the lady at the press conference. I wish blonde can see, Cause this will, cause this makes me agree with her. So it must be, it must be bad. You know, if you get blonde impulses from this case, it must be bad. Again, that's Valdo Calocane. I'm guessing is how you pronounce this, but it's a London case, right? Okay. Yeah. It's in London. Uh, knuckle hunky buck. Please don't talk about football. I like to wait until the season is over and binge watch the whole thing. That might be a smarter <laughs> way to consume it. By the way, I did peep 49ers defeated the lions. I, get, I know. Dude, 49ers, Chiefs. I know, it sucks. I'm not interested. I'm out. I don't care. I hate them all. I bought my, I I already bought five boxes. It's all, for me, it's just having people over and writing down all the occult shit and writing down how many uh, commercials actually have a white male in it. Uh, And then, and then, uh, you know. I I heard Bud Light is doing that though. Bud Light made a Super Bowl ad buy and sources say white men, straight white men, possibly Christian, are, are featured in this ad. That's how desperate Bud Light has become. Oh yeah, are they are they on horses whipping people at the border? They might be. I don't know. <laughs> then we know they've really they're really trying to with their belts. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll consider a sip. Though I was no, I was never a Bud Light drinker in the first place. So the boycott was very easy to me because uh, I don't I never drank Bud Light before that. So whatever. Uh, incompetent hands. Congratulations to Blonde Cordelia is the mean girl from Buffy. Reminds me of when Blonde said Frank looked like the Punisher. Not realizing the Punisher's name is Frank. I didn't know that either. Is the Punisher? She said that I look like the Punisher? I don't remember that, but I'll take his word. I'll take his word for it. Punisher's not bald. Frank needs to culture both of you. Well, that's a compliment. In what? For, 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 I assume in like movies, pop culture, TV shows, that kind of stuff. Well, it sounds like, okay, well. Well, they, well they the origin of the whole movie review bit that we've been doing for two plus years is that I don't before that I never watched movies for enjoyment. So people would make movie references all the time and be like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Now I have watched and reviewed a hundred and I don't know, 120 some movies or something. So, you know, uh, making progress in that regard. Ark says anyone who believes Biden has been a net positive for the country needs to be given a vacation to the sun. That level of naivete uh, can't be overtime uh, overcome and must be corrected defensively YouTube and Susan uh, defensively. Well, you know, give Biden a break. He's doing what he can. That was four days ago, five days ago. Knuckle hunky buck. If Bill Maher starts reading super chats from guys named uncle hunky punk, <laughs> hazardous places or incapable hands you might have a legitimate case that that 
Knuckle Hunky Buck is is uh, he's always got very clever. He's the kind of guy, and I'm sure you have him in your chat where they're writing jokes that you're like, "Son of a bitch! I wish I wrote that one myself." Because yeah, I, I get it a lot, I, yeah. and I have tons of memorable names over the years. Yeah. The, the first one that always pops up to me is uh, I used to get a lot of super chats from a uh, painful rectal itch. <laughs> that was one of the that, that was an yeah. adult with painful rectal itches here yeah. what's going on so if, if if bill maher shows up yeah with like uncomfortable anal uh, tingle fissure yeah uh then you know that he's ripping you off so i agree i mean, keep keep an eye out for it arc okay. also says youtube is censoring yeeted in super chats not in quotations i've got the screen caps to prove it how sad is it that we're at this point of censoring a meme word yeah well that but that's the, that's the funniness about censorship is you know, even though there's an objective truth to the words that we're describing or to the, the things we're describing with words, the words themselves are sort of arbitrary in their nature. So if you ban the words, you don't ban the concept or the things that the word is describing. You're just banning the mouth noise that we have chosen and assigned to it. So if you ban yeeted in this context, I mean, I don't know, like you, you shot someone or you took them out or you attacked them or you, whatever. There's just another word that comes in to replace it in the same way you know they can they can ban all sorts of um of of bad words but they can't ban noah you know that you, you just get around it that's that's yeah, that's right he's my <laughs> you have the when you talk about yeeted though and and the t- getting away of, like 1984 when they unperson somebody or they take a word out of the dictionary it's one of those things where you get they want to try to find a way where you limit the ways that you can express yourself. And even if they could get into the meme warfare, they, I'm telling you, this is a, this is a trajectory to get people to talk, talk in, in grunts and groans again, like cavemen, yeah. but there's very little that you can talk about or, you know, I don't know. It's nuts. Yeah. We're, we're going to, you're right. We're going to get to the point where like the, ra- the wrong expression in response to a verbal prompt is itself censorable or hateful you know you, you in the same way you have to clap for the uh pride parade or or that's a hate crime if you're presented with a certain concept and you don't like affirm with a head nod that so uh, brave that'll be punishable as well it'll be totally non-verbal like that it'll be gestures gesture censorship and enforcement is where we're headed uh, that's I what guess, i do when, when i'm with my friends we see the the pride parades go on we we look on with admiration we look you see that those them right there it's it's the joe biden story of all the joe biden stories that's the best one it was like oh back when my dad drove me down uh wilming downtown wilmington because i was doing whatever and we saw two gay guys kissing and he said joey there's nothing strange about that at all that's just love joey that's just love. it was the bravest moment of the 1950s when gays were otherwise arrested for such displays right. uh, Joe, you know that yeah. that right there that right there that's it's incredible they do something that it's just incredible the bravery, the butt sex. Michael Anderson says blonde has a nice haircut. So that's, that's nice. Uh, e. Jean Carroll's age is 80. So she's, she might be older than Trump. Is Trump 80 yet? Or he's right around that age. He's around but, there. I think it's like 78, 79. Yeah. So she's older than him. Right. Or at least right about the same age. Anyway, Holden Mulray. Thank you, Michael. Holden Mulray says, hi, truth seekers. The left equates Trump with Putin. Like his middle name is Vlad. That would make his uh, initials not DGT, but or DJT, but DVT. 
that reminds me, uh, there's this thing going around that I need to talk to you about. Now, just like your, uh, your, your voice modification, we do a similar bit on this show about DVTs. Deep vein thrombosis, DVT. Oh, I, I was, <laughs> I was nervous this topic was going to come up because, um, this, I'm going to open up like another half hour can of worms with you here. So enter it at your own discretion, but I've not talked with, to you about this. And I think it's something that'll interest you a lot because of the nature of the health episode, but also just cause you're at least as far as I understand, you're kind of a health conscious guy. Like you used to do like personal training and stuff. Did you not? Yes. Yes. Okay. Until I killed three people. Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, this is in September and I, I don't think we've talked about this at all. My audience is familiar, but if I told you about this, stop me. Um, I, it's right around Labor Day. I've spent a couple hours at my computer editing a video or doing some video research, whatever I was doing. And I get up and um, in the past, I've had like calf cramps, especially at night. Oh, if you've, ever had like, if you've ever had like a nocturnal leg cramp where you wake up and your calf is like locked and it's extremely painful. I, well, it happens to me when I'm awake. Sometimes okay. if you're, you're like this, if you know, you're not mineral, you got to get some, you got to put some sea salt in your water, man. What the hell are you doing? Well, I've had I've had cramping before. And if you've had a cramp, even a bad one, those resolve in, you know, 10 minutes. Right. This one was painful. And I mean, like I could, I was limited in my mobility, like I couldn't walk right. And so it was my my wife had already gone to bed at that point. It was like, I don't know, 10 or 11 p.m. And I thought, this is really weird. I'm going to just pour a hot bath and like just see if I can resolve this. But it didn't. And I just went to bed and this thing persisted for like three or four days. And then it started swelling up like my ankle. If you ever like rolled your ankle or sprained your ankle, my ankle started looking like that. And I didn't have an episode where like I hit it on something or I obviously um, you know, rolled the ankle or had some kind of traumatic episode that would have injured it. So finally, I'm like, okay, I guess this is sort of serious. So I start researching what this possibly is. I don't know. And I find the term deep vein thrombosis DVT. Deep vein thrombosis, DVT. What that is, is a blood clot in the deep yeah. veins. Right. So you're familiar with the term. Indeed. Okay. And so I, I'm like, well, son of a bitch, do I have a blood clot? Is that what this is? So I go into the urgent care and the nurse there is like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's not that for X, Y, and Z, but you should still go to the emergency room. So I head on down to the emergency room and the emergency room doctor at the hospital says, here are your options to try to diagnose this. I would recommend an ultrasound because that will tell us for sure if there's a clotting issue or not. I have the ultrasound tech come in. He looks at it and he's like, I mean, I, I swear to God, he was high out of his mind. He's like, oh yeah, that, it's clotted. It's, it's all clotted up. I'm like, well, what the, f what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, it's just, yeah, it's pretty good blockage in there. I don't, I don't know. He just like left. <laughs> and then I get the, the formal diagnosis back and it was three major veins in my calf totally blocked and a fourth nearly blocked. They've put me on blood thinners, which as soon as I got those, it went away like within a day or two. And it's as though mm -hmm. nothing ever happened to me, but I'm still on the blood thinners now until the end of February, after which I get a week break from them. Then they will test my blood for genetic factors that may be a part of it. Now, the obvious curiosity is, did you get the jab? I did not. I didn't take any of them. I didn't take the Johnson and Johnson. I didn't take the MRNA, none of those. And so the, and, and since and I've, I talked about that when it happened, cause it was a fairly significant health episode. If you don't manage that, right. That blood clot can obviously travel to uh, your lungs and cause yeah. 
pulmonary embolism and bad things. So I talked about this on the stream. And since there have been uh, a few other men of similar demographics to ours who have had the exact same experience, some of whom are vaccinated, some of whom are not. But we've all had this experience and then we've all had the similar experience of doctors or medical professionals not believing our story at first because it's so uncommon in this demographic, yet it's happening. So what the hell is causing this? I'll find out in March. It could like, is it the virus itself? Is it some kind of shedding? Or I've also learned that there's a genetic factor for people of Scandinavian descent that makes them more likely to have clotting issues, which maybe I have but I'll have to wait mm. to find out. But what do you want? Would they put you on Coumadin or something? Uh, the specific blood thinner is uh, Eliquis. It's a Pixaban. Oh, uh, you know, my, they yeah. put my mother on Eliquis for a little bit when they thought that she had, uh, she had the, 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 the AFib. Thankfully it cleared up and she didn't uh, because that's, yeah. yeah, man, that, that, that's an expensive drug Eliquis. It's covered by my insurance plan. So thankfully there haven't been a, thank, I had a massive out of pocket cost for the ER visit. But other than that, it hasn't um, put a, a giant dent in my family's finances. Thankfully, so, but so uh, March then March, and, huh? And thankfully for me, I've had no side effects from the blood thinners, at least that I can tell. And I feel totally normal, but I still got to take them and, yeah, it's, it's just been totally bizarre. And everybody I know who's who's had a similar experience, again, it's a handful of people in the audience, but we're like, these are all young men who are active, not overweight, you know, wouldn't have any obvious um, contributing factors. And for some reason, they're clotting up. Dude, I had a, I had a, um, I'm always very conscious about that stuff now, ever since I had a client who actually died. Um. I was training this guy for a couple of months and maybe about two weeks before I stopped hearing from him. He went, he was, he was going on a vacation soon. So I was training him before he went on his vacation and he was complaining, you know, he wanted me to help, help him stretch his calves. And, you know, what, what, what can I do to, to, to loosen up my legs? Cause my right calf is like really, really tight on it. It's like, you know, painful. Um, I didn't hear from him. I, so I got in touch with him again afterwards. Um, I, I was just getting in touch with him as much as I could, because I didn't want to be like a fucking, you know, pest or anything like that. But then the gym I was working with said that, Hey, your client died. Jesus. Like, what? So I said, what the hell is going on? Said, well, apparently, apparently that pain in his calf was a blood clot. So he and of course, it. I guess so. He went to the doctor. They did not consider it. But the thing is that with blood clots, you have to like you to thank God you went there because of course, you know, you'll know it's a clot with, if the pain that is kind of like nagging you and it's chronic starts traveling and it was kind of traveling for him, but I didn't know better to, you know, to push him to, to go get checked one way or another. So I, there was no red and, flags for me. And it was inconsistent for me. Like there at times it would feel like, Oh, it's greatly improved and I can mostly move around normal. And then two hours later, it'd be like, I can't put weight on my leg. It's yeah. immobilized. It's moving around. And, yeah. and, and, and the good thing is that you were, all on one altitude because the one thing that will happen is people who have blood clots and they go and do things like get into a plane and go fly somewhere. Yeah. Like my client did, he went on vacation with his family and I think he either died on vacation or as soon as he got back after a, a, a two, you know, a there and back the altitude that helps move blood clots all through your system. And of course that's when it gets to your heart. Yeah. That's what happened to like, you know, Carrie Fisher and shit like that. And um, you got to, 
that's why we, if, you, if you find traveling pain like through your legs and shit yeah. especially if you can see around the, the place where it, it hurts there's some kind of pronouncement in the veins there you can see that they yeah. it's got it's gotten blue and veiny almost like varicose get yourself to an er for me the tell um was was that although i didn't realize it was a tell at the time like the inconsistency in the pain if you've rolled your ankle you know it's it's bad to start and it gets consistently better over time unless you're like yeah. running on it or something uh, in this case, it, it it was better and then it was worse and it wasn't. But the other tell was the swelling looked like a rolled ankle. But if you've ever seen that kind of swelling where it, you have pitting and by that, I mean, like you can press on it with your finger and it'll stay depressed. Like you mm. it's like you pressed on some Pillsbury dough or something like that. It was a very distinct kind of swelling. And so I know appreciate everybody's patience because I know my audience has heard the DVT story a million times by now. But again, as much as I joke about it, the serious thing for anybody but if there is some sort of increase in young men if you have that kind of symptom as somebody who avoids medical professionals because i don't trust them generally speaking yeah this was one that i'm i'm glad that um you know the family nagging to have me go get it checked out was that i heeded that advice because who knows how things could have developed if i didn't so yeah Thank God you did, and yeah. uh, and and so who who's uh, stylistic idea? I I love the memes, the the ear rape memes. Yeah, and may, uh, who's who's the uh, the person who said, oh, stylistically, the DVT meme needs to be ear raped. S- someone just sent me these. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to get a deep vein thrombosis. And the origin is actually a video game streamer who I th- I think he was doing speed runs. And so he's sitting at his desk too long. And whenever he's wasted like three hours in the same stationary position, he that's part of his rage expression is I'm going to get a deep vein thrombosis because I haven't moved my leg in three hours. You know, <laughs> play the first one again. Uh, sure. Gladly. Deep vein thrombosis. DVT. <laughs> <laughs> That's the DVT bit. And so that's why they're holding Mulray is just working in the DVT references, just like you're working in the butt sex references, you know? Right. Uh, Nihaw. Frank, this sounds antagonistic, but it's not meant to be. How are you able to hold the views you hold and simultaneously live in New York as in gun laws and the rest of it? No, I don't know. It's there's a lot. I mean, listen, the the, uh, New York City is the armpit of New York, and it's really the worst part of it all. Obviously, Rochester, I mean Buffalo and Buffalo and Albany are pretty blue, but you got 23 million people that live in this country in this uh well yeah, our country. This is my home home homeland over here. And uh, there's a lot more people with common sense than you think. It's just that people don't vote. And because they don't vote and because there's no real way to verify elections, you just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, um, even New York City is not as monolithic as you may think. It's just gangs control everything. And now um, because organized crime in the way that we we knew it in, in the movies is all gone. There's only one gang in town and it's got the DA's office. It's got the courts. It's got the judges. It, it is the judge. I mean, that's just really what it is. Do you go into the city at all? Or you just not mess with that. I, I haven't been in a city in, in a while. Hmm. Uh, well, I don't know. I've been there for a couple of things, but. I mean, we used to go in there constantly. We knew a couple of really nice uh, lounges to go. Uh, we knew a lot of club owners. Um, obviously, my band, we play a lot of gigs down there. Yankee games. I haven't been to a Yankee game since October of 2019. 
And um, but I want to go back this this year. But it's it it's one of those things where you know holding the views I hold is more so. Not a, you just got to know when to to speak up. And I'm never really in a situation. People are very uh, people are fucking weird. And there's there and there's people all over the place. Red states aren't too much better, especially when you get to population centers. That's they're really here, man. They're about. ruining they're, they're ruining this place I love, this particular county, Gallatin County, Montana. And it and, happens. Yeah, it uh, happens. You know, and, it's either you're going to get the affluent, the affluent tanky retards that are going to move in next to you and just start uh, voting for a school board to become crazier and crazier. Or you're going to get a family of migrants that shows up, and they, I mean, it, it's. I it's saw just an whatever. article in the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. I should have saved it for the show, but they were um, praising a local charity uh, for starting a program to teach migrant children how to ski. Speaking of the ski brawl that we Skiing. saw, like, yes, we have to. It's very important that we get all the uh, the Central American children on skis as soon as possible. That's the primary charitable mission for this particular county we need to make sure that the ecuadorian kids are skiing uh, immediately. you know th- that's the other thing to remember it's a it's putting us in a bad situation you think about being in a place like this or any place where you're kind of outnumbered ideologically most people are good people and um and and they have had their emotions and their compassion completely manipulated and twisted and and because there's only one way that we've been brought up to really diagnose and treat problems that we see in society, and that way is to go further and further to the left, further and further to central action, one-size-fits-all action, and everybody else should surrender their responsibility to community and their homes and people around them, and instead give all that responsibility to the wardens in D.C. Obviously, it gets worse and worse, but if you were to the right of Karl Marx, you're Hitler. You can't go there. So that's what's what's happening. If you get people one on one, you can have some really amazing conversations and you'll, you'll see that most people are actually uh, more conservative than they think. Um, it's just that when you give them a credit card, uh, it all yeah. goes out the window. Someone else's credit card, the best kind, you know, yeah, everyone it's, wants it's, one of those. That's it. Uh, Tortuga says, good to see you on the show again, Frank. I would just like to say Trump also walked up and grabbed me by my mangina. Where are oh. my reparations? Well, good luck. I don't, you're going to have to consult a New York jury to see if you can collect. I don't know. Um, Bortuga. I-T-T-R-Y-N. He makes the obvious request. I should have asked this, but I need to timestamp when this actually takes place, if you'll be gracious enough to provide it. But he says, please have Frank say deep vein thrombosis with the voice modulator. Deep vein thrombosis. Wait, wait. DVT. Okay, sorry, I think I talked over that a little bit. A clean take, and I'll cut it. So we don't want this one. What about the robot voice? No, no, just the deep voice. Just the deep voice. Deep vein thrombosis. DVT. Well, that was your normal voice. Didn't you just say you wanted it normal? No, I saw. I meant. Sorry, I've screwed this whole thing up. The deep voice. The modu- The the deep voice. This one. Yes, yes, yes. Are you ready? Deep vein thrombosis, DVT. Thank you. I'm marking that right now so I can plug that into uh, our usual sounder rotation. All right. Uh, thank you for th- for the uh, suggestion, uh, Mr. ITTRYN. Mint 20, ideology must bow to pragmatism or else you have just another stupider religion. I already have a religion. 
is a thought I've been rolling around in my head. Thoughts also congrats to Blonde. Well, thank you on uh, on Blonde's behalf. Um, yeah, well, I guess to, for me to dissect this quote, ideology must bow to pragmatism or else you just have another religion. I suppose another way of phrasing that is if your ideological view of the world comes into obvious conflict with observable truth, you must adjust because any ideology that is not loyal to truth first and foremost, isn't really worth holding, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when you get into religion, that's something different though. Um, because you know, I, I, the, the, the truth, it arrives at your, your, your doorstep and, and, uh, there are just other people who will, who will definitely see a different, and they will argue subjectivity. They will argue one thing or another. Um, but when you talk about ideology and pragmatism in a sense where we're just living in a we're living in a world together, um, then you have to find something that is common that everybody can get behind. And that is when you start seeing the right of the individual. When you start getting into things like non-aggressions principle. Uh, discussions, libertarian uh, discussions about uh, where one person's rights end and the other one begins, um, and uh, and, and that th- that's just that's just really what it comes down to. For me, I always try to check myself. You know, when I am working out arguments in my head and when I'm working out things that I want to bring to the show, and I'm testing my own logic on something and my belief on an issue, I always ask myself one main question, and that is, what am I demanding of people around me? What is my worldview demand of people around me? Am I asking for people to involuntarily, you know, for people to be compelled to act a certain way so that I can have, I can experience something I believe to be for the greater good? Or does my standpoint ensure that nobody is coerced into doing anything so i am always checking myself off and checking back against coercion and um and of course sources of coercion is a very easy thing to spot and it comes in many forms and i think that's one one of the main things that i think uh holds me back from from really having ideology uh, ideology and pragmatism complement each other a little bit more. I, I think that my ideological view of the world really has uh, is a pro-human view of the world that is not without consequence or without just war or any kind of response to a an aggressive act against, you know, it's, it's not like pacifist at all costs. There's definitely, there's definitely, you know, places for responses and violence and all that other stuff. But um, when it comes to how my ideology, my way I world see the world is applied to people around me. That's a big, that's how I check myself. And I, I test my logic on a number of grounds. Well, now we know you're not sitting in the blonde seat because coercion, skeptical perspectives are not, uh, that that's not, that's not what would come from that chair normally. So thank you for <laughs> exploring some alternatives. Uh, anyway, thank you, Mint. Uh, Danny from Montana, congrats to Blonde and her safe delivery question for you both. What is your opinion on infant and childhood vaccines? Trying to be reasonable, but after COVID-19 and listening to the vax conversations, it all sounds like BS to me. Uh, Frank, call Matt. A, is this a reference from your audience? A, a Moulinian? What is that about? Who said that? This is from Danny from Montana. What, what, what was the question? 
Well, the question is, what's your opinion on infant and childhood vaccines? Yeah, but what um, was the, 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 the Moulignan thing? It just says, Frank, call Madame Moulignan. I don't know what that's about, so that one's beyond me. But <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slur. It's oh. a colloquial slur kind of a thing. One of those slurs that hasn't been banned it's a, yet. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, it, I think the uh, the YouTube censors won't won't pick that one up. All right. Uh, my know. opinion on the vaccines, um, uh, highly skeptical. Now, on principle, I um, you know, out of respect for for my family and and I, I shy away from going into specifics because I just I don't want to set the precedent of of here's exactly what we do medically for all of our children. However. I will say that my skepticism has increased from the first time around the first time around. Uh, our first son was born in 2021 and I had the same uh, sort of approach, which is like, well, I'm skeptical of all these people for their Corona bullshit, but I want to be rational in my decision on vaccines. And so we took that approach this next time around. I mean, I'm so skeptical in the, after the last four years of bullshit of literally everything in the medical profession that my mindset is like, what do I have to do to have you people not call CPS on me? Cause that's like the, the minimum I'm going to do before I get the hell out of here and like never talk to you again. Uh, so that's a general way of saying like, yeah, my skepticism of the, the pediatrics industry is quite high. I told this story to our audience when our second son was born, but Frank, you might get a kick out of this. Uh, because, of course, they sent in the pediatrician after he was born to give us the, the shtick on behalf of Pfizer. Hey, have you considered this? Have you considered that? And the, the latest one, and they, they sell it to you like it's a new car. The one fresh off the line is uh, this RSV. This RSV. He called it a, vac- a vaccine, but it was it was like, stop me if you've heard this one before, because he said, well, actually, it's not a, a vaccine. It's a therapy. Uh, but what it does, it, it doesn't stop you from getting the virus or it doesn't stop your son from getting the virus. But if he does get it, it, the symptoms will be, will be greatly reduced. If you, if you try this fresh off the line therapeutic injection from Pfizer. And I was like trying not to smirk in his face when he's saying this to me because, uh, just like, no, no, I don't get, get out of here, go away, you know, but well, I, I understand. Uh, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I had, I had a conversation with a, um, a pediatrician, that almost made me choke. I was so shocked. Um, I was talking with her she had made a house call and she came to the house and, and she was talking to me and Lauren and, and uh, yeah, every once in a while she would bring up the whole idea of vaccines. We're like, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna take it easy. We're just gonna, you know, we're just away. She's not really going out anywhere. She's not going to any schools around here. She's going to be homeschooled and blah, 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 blah. Just, we got very lucky because we found our doctor at a, at a, uh, a farmer's market. She's opening up a private practice. She's belongs to medical groups, but she also wanted to do direct care kind of stuff. It's a great. So we met her years ago. And uh, when Lauren became pregnant, we went to her and she, you know, I think Aurora was the first baby that she ever was able to, handle and care for throughout the entire pregnancy and then now she deals with the whole family and she is very pro vaccine hmm. but she's also very very staunchly informed consent and that's the biggest and, thing we just found a new pediatrician and she asked what we didn't like about our prior places and that's what i told her i was like i don't want political messages that have nothing to do with the care of my son and i don't demand that you agree with every course of treatment 
that maybe I want or think is wise. As long as you respect my right to make that decision, we're going to get along fine. And so far she has. Yeah, well, I, I got this. I got this at one point. This is maybe about two years ago. Uh, she actually said to me that, well, you know, if you want, I have the COVID shots here. And I was like, no, thank you. Uh, and, 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 but I also have, I also have this year's flu shot. If you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to give that to Aurora or anything like that, but I, I wouldn't recommend it because, um, people haven't really been getting flu too much now with all the masks that they're wearing. Mm-hmm. I, I almost choked. That's why when I heard that, yeah. that, 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 that you, you didn't have to get the flu shot because people have been wearing masks and the flu, and that has pretty much stopped the flu from spreading. Who knew? I almost, I almost choked. Yeah. And Dude, I, I've taken this approach. There's this, there's this great thing now. I just put this up on my Telegram. I got to give it to you because I don't want to say too much on YouTube. This this has been taken down a long time ago on YouTube. It's about a 15-minute video. It's called Do Vaccines Make Us Healthier? And it, and it focuses on three major long-term studies. There's only a few studies like this out there right now, and these are incredible. Long-term studies on the very, very small number of children in this country who have not been vaccinated at all versus those who have gone through the entire recommended or even you know delayed schedule from the cdc and and everything else over the course of at least young adulthood because only now you know it's it's only been a few generations of this being a, a really strong mark of our of our culture and it's it's absolutely incredible it's absolutely incredible. The autoimmune issues, the um, the allergies, it's absolutely incredible. And um, I'm just, uh, I'd, I'm going to let a little I would little like to take a look because, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of in that situation now. <laughs> you know, I don't know where to share it, you know. I'll take a look at the menu. Uh, if you set, show me what you recommend. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a spreadsheet that is impossible to read in one sitting. It is so large with how many shots you're supposed to get in all these different intervals that uh, I don't want to be like throw up my hands guy and just not make each decision individually. But when you hand me a spreadsheet of that size, that it's not even readable. And then the other thing that they do too, is they to make those individual decisions like, Oh, I think this one's worthwhile because of risk a b and c or whatever no now they're all these cocktails where it's like well you can't get just that one well, they're well, all five what's of them the, what's the real thing what, 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 what if you go through them one by one you're just like measles mumps and rubella if you get any of those things it, it's not that really that big of a deal number one anybody who lived long enough knew that measles was one of those things where if somebody got it usually everybody came over in the neighborhood to make sure all the other kids got it because you got it and you never got it again chicken pox my brother and I got it. We gave it to each other. We, 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 we took oatmeal baths for a week and then it was all over. So, so that's something that they get shot up for now too. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of these places, these hospitals, they don't let you leave or they try to get you to not leave the hospital until you give your child hepatitis B. It's a sexually transmitted disease. They're hours old. What the fuck? What, what do you think is going on here? So it you depends know, on the that. daycare you bring them to, I guess. You never know these days. Oh yeah. But, oh yeah. Uh, daycares. You want to, you, you want, you want to get a, you want to get inoculated, send your kid to a daycare. Yeah. I, all the kids in, all the kids in my, in our life that are already in daycares and kindergartens and all that stuff. I think they might spend three weeks out of the year, not sick. 
it's incredible. Uh, yeah, maybe. And the parents as a consequence too. Incredible. But uh, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're past the three hour mark, which of course I appreciate your time, but I'm going to try to pick up the pace a little bit here just so I can, uh, well, I'm interested in a good night's sleep. I can't speak for you, but uh, appreciate the audience uh, sharing their thoughts and appreciate your, your contributions as well, Frank, but uh, ass blasters, 69, 420 plays it. I'm getting more of a seared bite on the impossible whopper. That I'm getting on the actual Whopper. No, 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 no. Please don't say that. No, 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 no. Well, I guess what happened here is he tried an impossible Whopper and he did not survive by the sound of it. Unfortunate. But thank you for your support for the show. Ass wow, Blasted. Ass Blasted. He's got everything in that. Everything is in that, that screen. It's 69, everything. 420. Speaking of, I know there was one over uh, or a couple over on Odyssey by longtime chatter. Got to be careful with the name as always. Mike Hawk. You might know Mr. Hawk. 420 blazing i don't know if he's related to tony but he's a nice guy blazing. yeah matt you need to invest in a butt sex counter i think it would be money money well invested <laughs> and then just, since he, he can he, get away it with just, it on it's a pitch counter you just have to it's in your hand click every time somebody says butt sex he just loves exercising his freedoms over on odyssey where they don't set uh, censor your chats at all he just makes use of whatever he wants to say uh all right thank you uh thank you mr uh mike hawk uh he said the n-word over on rumble let me catch up with these and we'll get back to tippy and youtube tracy tracy beans uh your your co-host right tracy beans has a dork lisp this is what this person's username is i don't know does she have a dork lisp i know wait wait wait. a dork lisp <laughs> i guess so uh if you're if you're familiar with the dark to light podcast frank lex luther is a decent blonde substitute without the racist remarks zero and zero prep (laughs) but it's purely a reactor to shit a plus color commentary okay so yeah you're like uh he's being complimentary there he's he's saying you you are uh, more thoughtful with your words and more diligent with your prep on that show i'm i'm i uh i i take it as a as a compliment i yeah. i i like being i like the, the slinking into the color commentator role every once in a while yeah just because doing what i do every night is uh so much more intensive and this just allows me to just be a little bit more on the jazz end of things yeah it's uh and, but and I gotta, I gotta, whenever, whenever i listen when, when i thought about the design of this show and how i wanted to make it shows that i love always have a little bit of that riff factor you know I can mm-hmm. do a show by myself, and to some extent, I'm exp- I'm kind of experimenting with that with my new Wednesday show. Although I have my producer Tim helping me out, but it's a little more individual focused, and I want to I want to develop that too. I don't want to be someone who just relies on another person to to kind of guide me through it or help me through it. But there's just something about the conversational riff factor that I think is is great for listenability and fun. And you so got it. I appreciate your contribution in that way, as does the audience. Uh, the Hillbilly Deluxe. That poor girl will never be late for anything without blonde announcing to all and and sundry how she was always late, even being born. Oh, this you're talking about blonde's uh, daughter. Yeah, she was late. She was post term. So she'll be late for the rest of her life. And blonde will never let her forget it. We'll see. Hillbilly Deluxe, Matt, you need to embrace your Montana roots and get into rodeo. That is clearly not scripted. You know, I had um, I had some uh, well, really one friend in high school who was really into rodeo. And I haven't kept up with him over the years, although maybe I should reach out because uh, I don't know. Back when he knew me before, you know, my politics were completely different. And we'd probably we got along then, but we kind of like he was the 
He's just like a traditional, you know, he, he's all, like all he does like Bible rodeo camp. You know, he's like that kind of guy, like the, oh. the, the religiously devoted cowboy man. And I have a lot of admiration for that now. Um, not to say that I didn't then because we were friends. We just had such different perspectives and lifestyles. So that sounds gay if I say it that way. I just mean like very I, was, gay, actually. I was into different stuff, but uh, which also sounds gay. But you get what I mean. You are gay. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, I like the, <laughs> I like the spontaneity of the bit. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, but yeah, he, he did bull riding and he still coaches, I think. So, um, I should reach out to him because, uh, I don't really, I mean, I get rodeo, I guess. I don't know all the technicals of it, but when I watch these guys actually ride a bull in that way, I have a lot of respect for the physical achievement and the bravery of it. Cause I, I'm not doing that. There's a lot of things in life physically. I'm not doing that's one of them. I'm not getting on a, a bucking, Yeah. A bucking it's scary horse or, 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 uh, or bull or anything like that. Absolutely. It just, you know, it's, it, it's, it, I, you think about that beast between your legs yeah, and, uh, that's, uh, it's scary. You watch it like, Oh, well, this kind of looks, it's kind of looks a little gay, but then <laughs> you, then, then you think about it, you put you, you put yourself mentally in that position you're like oh yo this is i'm gonna die i'm gonna die right now and i yeah it's one of those things where i think how do you even start that some sports you can kind of work your way into you can start small and work your way up i don't know how you start bull riding but there's probably a sheep but is that how they do it they start with sheep i think they start with sheep and then like you know the miniature ponies okay and then uh i i don't know how it's got to be something like that. Dwayne says regarding uh, E. Jean Carroll, I remember an article calling for people to come forward to accuse Trump of bad acts, some opinion piece. I, I'm sure this whole thing is a stunt in that way. That she's just the one they found. Um, L. L. Jangulo, thanks for signing up to be a, a monthly supporter. Lightweight says, while I see Trump as a generally despicable person, in a Trump v. Biden comparison, I think Trump actually cares about continuing the USA while Biden or whoever may replace him seems to be actively working against the USA. And that's a fair point. You know, I, I, you don't have to love Trump, the character and, but I I don't believe that he is, um, working in destructive ways in the, in the ways that the powers that be currently are, even if he's mistaken at times. And I've certainly have been critical of him at times where I think he has been, uh, I, I hate I hate to sound hyperbolic, but I, I really think that the forces of evil are at work in this country right now. And I'm not saying Trump is is uh, the the saint like figure who gets us out of that necessarily. I'm just saying in when the alternative is, you know, not not evil, uh, I'll take it. Uh, I'm in. But laser says, Matt, don't forget your your pregnancy diagnosis with the DVT. Yeah, uh, I forgot that part of the story for you. When I got the paperwork, when I was uh, when they let me out of the ER diagnosis on the paperwork wasn't just dvt deep vein thrombosis it was dvt in pregnancy so they didn't give me a due date so i don't know and then when my wife actually went into labor we went back to the hospital and they asked her hey have you had any um have you had any uh pains in your calves and they felt her calves to make sure that there were no symptoms and i said oh no we've discussed that i know all about dvt in pregnancy i was diagnosed by this very facility uh, as having a DVT in pregnancy. You so, have another baby in your leg. Somewhere. But uh, that was months ago and he has still not emerged. So anyway, thank you guys over on Rumble. Let's catch up on YouTube and Tippy here. Uh, Beth Ann and Board Troll over on DLive. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Mike Hawk. 
uh, over on uh, Odyssey also says, don't be a P word, Matt. Uh, you're, you're used to, wait, you're used to bull riding. Now's your, ch- <laughs> wait, you're used to bulls riding. Now's your chance to ride a bull. Sorry, that was difficult to set up, but. Stop being such a pussy. The joke was there. I'm sorry I butchered it. Uh, thank you, Mr. Hawk. Uh, let's see. Over on uh, YouTube and Tippy. Oh, Mint has a thought to add to the one that we last read. More accurately, only those in power are allowed to off opponents and those that threaten their power uh, in politics. Ah, yeah. There's, to, to return to that point briefly, um, you know, what you said, every, every, everything you said about coercion prior, you strike me as a person who, like me, I, I'm very skeptical and critical of, of the exercise of power. I, I want to limit each individual's power over another, generally speaking. Uh, I, I don't want to unfairly characterize your perspective, but that's sort of the understanding I got there. The other side of it, that people of a more, I suppose, authoritarian perspective, I think that they would grant that, at least in our audience. The counterpoint that they'll bring to me is, I know that you don't like that there are levers of power, but there are levers of power and someone's got to pull them. And if you don't make sure that there are moral actors pulling those levers, they will necessarily be pulled by the evil actors. Uh, how do you respond to that if you are indeed oh. skeptical of the levers? Well, I mean, the, the only reason why things get as bad as they do is because we relinquish responsibility. You know, if there, if if there is a desire for people to maintain the civil, the, you know, the uh, the civic culture that we have specifically speaking just about the the United States, that kind of Russian doll form of government that we have where the federal government is very, very, very limited. And a, it constitutes, you know, the mortar that strings together a, the union that we have where the States are in almost every matter, sovereign and, uh, and independent except in in situations of national defense and regulating foreign uh international trade uh maintaining a post office i mean it is it is it is so incredible you know you think about that how decentralization it's supposed to be that the towns the villages the hamlets are the ones that are making most decisions and they are the ones that are keeping their hands on the wheel and um and that's it and in that respect it's even easier to affect uh, you know, the, the way, you know, the, the way that where you live is run, because let's say that you really do lose your voice in, in one town or village or whatever, and you want to get the hell out, you can vote with your feet. You can move to the next town over or the next county over. And, you know, there's sheriffs and there's county executives. And I mean, there's there's so many different layers that have been overlooked and surrendered. And that losing track of that is very, very easy. For somebody else to come in and fill a void and become completely tyrannical with it, it you know, because pe- people have just completely taken their hands off the wheel. Hmm. And that has been nurtured into us for well over a century, well over a century. Nobody really knows what what the, what the hell are you going to do. Of course, of course, uh, you know, uh, the, the, that um that void is going to be filled by somebody. I'm not, uh, I'm not again, I'm, I'm, I'm all for people taking part in, um, in civic life. Uh, I'm not even really all for anarcho-capitalism, you know, pure, pure and through only because I think that it, 
it runs aground with our our innate tendency to you know coalesce around each other and try to create structural stability even if it's on a local level i think that that's just in our species that's how our species tends to operate so um uh i you know i understand anarcho-capitalism but i i always just don't understand how how it would last for a, a long time but i know i it's a good question to ask yeah thank you mint uh, moist farts another staple of our channel there you go hello francis delivered in matt's voice as it was <laughs> right there don't think you've pulled one over on us, Matt. You can't replace Biden's heavyweight nose with Frank's clear welterweight offering. Get your USBs fixed, Frank. Love you. Uh, F-word slurs. He also says, you suck, fuck you, which is uh, the, the tranny that confronted Bill. You Chris. suck, fuck you. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the joke, blondes, the joke is in during pregnancy, you know, you know what stage she's at because her nose gets wider and wider and wider until she's like when she's ready to give birth. It's at full gorilla stage or her her nose, <laughs> which I can say because she's white. It's fine. You know, it's like making fun of uh, how Ron Perlman looks kind of ape like you can say that. <laughs> and, 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 and women's feet get larger, too. Dude, I haven't heard that one. It's always the yeah. nose bit. Knuckle yeah, hunky Lauren, buck. Had, Lauren had to get new shoes. Oh, well, news to me. Knuckle Hunky Box says, I like the challenge of saying butt sex a lot of times, but not the stipulation that it can't be forced because butt sex is way better when it's forced. Thank you for that offering. Oh, my God, bro. Tortuga, two men online talking about butt sex. Nope, nothing gay happening on Matt's channel at all tonight. Well, what else is new, you know? I mean, what, what did you expect when you clicked on the link? Uh, thank you, man. Esoterica Unbound. Never mind the borderline flicks. Frank, what do you think about Tremors? It was the target. It was the target of one of Matt's first quote unquote reviews. In fact, it was the first movie I ever formally reviewed. I, I used to love Tremors as a, as a kid. And I have, I, you know, that's one of those things I have not watched as an adult. And I watched it a lot as a kid. And it always would make me feel like I, I it would, it would inspire me to 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 play tremors in the in the living room you know the the the, the couches were the big rock formations we would jump on top of that and not make any 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 movement uh you know shotguns to blast those little tiny you know things out yeah i like tremors um i have to watch it again it's yeah i have to watch it again that one and i have to watch uh Sylvester Stallone's cliffhanger again soon too. That's come up in conversation a few times recently. I've not seen cliffhanger. I gave tremors a two and people were mad at me for that too. Although I did praise the tactical Reba McIntyre deployment. I mean, that was fun. Like a lot of the, the gun scenes were fun, but, uh, but overall I was not a huge fan and people, you know, or I shouldn't say people esoteric, esoterica unbound, um, is often in disagreement with my movie reviews, but I say that, with appreciation because he's always thoughtful and uh, well, he has, he has um, conviction in his views, you know? So he's kind of like, uh, for whatever reason, it's like we have opposite taste, but he's always able to explain why, which I appreciate. Um, uh, yeah, that is, that is good. That's, that's admirable. Yeah. Dylan Draper oh, says, what does the federal government understand the job of border patrol to be process immigrants and hand them off to ice or NGOs? Which NGOs uh, and what are they up to? Also, have you seen the coverage of SHOT Show at 20, uh, 2024? PSA killed 
uh, killed it, I assume. I um I've kind of seen some of the the posts here and there by you know uh, certain companies I follow or groups I follow. Uh, PSA being Palmetto State Armory, and PSA looks like they have a lot of cool stuff in development. I know they had that whole vote for what do you want us to make, which I kind of I sort of love that democratization of of a gun manufacturer. Like, hey, here's several concepts. Which would you like to see us make? with the limited resources that we have. And I don't know that they'll for sure go with the results of the vote, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun from a consumer perspective to be like, yeah, make that. Um, PSA, I had, I know that PSA, people have, a lot of elitists will kind of frown upon them because they're like, you know, they're guns for pores or whatever, they're budget guns, um, which is true. I mean, they make some nice stuff too. And I, I've, the first AR I ever built was a PSA kit. Um but what I love about PSA is it's like it is the purest Second Amendment commitment possible, which is we want to get as many Americans armed as possible. And what that means is making sure that there is a, a reasonable quality entry point for the consumer that doesn't have several thousand dollars to spend on a rifle with which to defend their home, their family, their community. So, yeah, even though even though <laughs> even though the elitists among us will will look down on PSA sometimes. I I got a lot of admiration for that company. I really like them a lot. But that's that's about all I've seen out of uh Shot Show is just their their vote thing, but um but yeah. What uh I I know that the law in New York has been in flux ever since the Bruin decision and and Clarence Thomas says you have a right to carry a gun, but New York yeah. and Kathy Hochul are getting very creative about that. What's the status on all that stuff? They 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 did something about um handgun permits they they try to to mesh together handgun permits and rifle acquisitions and all, and and purchases and all that i forget what the hell it even was i was talking about it with the the gun shop owner that we were um we went to to go visit when we were up in adirondacks last year when i bought my my last shotgun um you know we've got we've got rifles and shotguns and stuff but you know that's uh just home defense stuff, things like that. Uh, and while we were there and they were, they were going over, they were going over all the new, the new things that they're trying to do to just make things harder and harder. And I couldn't, I don't remember it. I really don't because I, me, all I'm thinking is I just got to keep myself in some way armed up and, uh, and safe in a very legal way until it's time to, uh, I'm not retiring in New York. I'm here for now. I've made, I just got too much invested in the studio things around here. I'm, 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 I want to be around family members and, and parents and all that stuff. And we're just going to hunker down for a little while longer. And hopefully there's no mega tsunamis and shit like yeah. that. And I, once that happens, once it's time to go, then I hate we that. We'll be in a carry state. I hate that feeling of being um, necessarily disarmed by the threat of state punishment. And I have to experience it every time we go visit my wife's uh, family in California. And, uh, the last time we were there, you know, we're at the, we're at a Safeway grocery store and this is in San Francisco and we're outside and, and, uh, we're walking, we just purchased our groceries. We're walking back to her family's place and there's some kind of drugged out bum guy out of his mind. And I mean, this dude was big. This dude was like, George Floyd proportion, you know, like 
and he's he's getting aggressive with people. He's yelling at people. We're probably 20 yards away. He's not yelling at us, but he's yelling at people and going after random people in our immediate vicinity. And it's it's not like I want a confrontation with that guy regardless, but I'm having to usher at the time my pregnant wife out of there. Like we got to move. Come on, let's go. And <laughs> she's not in position to hurry. You know? mm. But I know that if that guy, this drugged out crazy man who's much bigger than me and I'm not a small person, if he decides that we're the target for whatever reason, I'm in a spot where I got to decide, am I going to, am I going to like fight this drugged out hobo man with my fist to protect my wife and unborn child? And if I do something wrong, then the state of California is going to put me in prison and make them fatherless. Or am I going to try to like flee with my wife? I like pick her up and carry her as I run away from this deranged man, that feeling. And to know that like one wrong step in the state of California is going to consider me the criminal, not this drug addicted hobo can't stand that feeling. I just, I know it's awful. When you think of it, whether it's the hobo or whether it's the migrant as they're called, they have better legal representation and political clout than we do. Yeah. That's what it, that that's just what it comes down to. All right. I think we're all set on YouTube and Tippy. Um, we're good. Well, on, people have been, are you sure we're set on YouTube? People are saying, Frank, please do super chats. Uh, we should be set. At least I, okay. I, I can double check. I have a system that aggregates our chats from uh, YouTube and Tippy that sometimes has occasional problems. So let me do my due diligence and uh, no problem and check that out really quick before we sign off for the night, but we should be. Uh, Wait, is Bl- blonde is there? Oh, is blonde hanging out in the chat. There she is blonde. You picked a good night uh, for some time off. Cause we're over three hours. And if she was still pregnant at, at the three hour mark right now, do you know what kind of scowl we'd be getting if she were here? Oh, I, well, I'm, I'm just happy that uh, she's in the afterwards now. Uh, yeah. Uh, sincerely speaking, blonde. congratulations. Uh, I shouldn't make too many jokes. We're happy for you and your family. And of course the audience is too. Um, let me double check the, uh, the super chat list here over on YouTube. Yeah. It looks like we're good. It looks like we're caught up. So Wait. we're good on Odyssey. Good on D live. All right. Uh, any final thoughts before we sign off for the night? No, no. I think that we, uh, I, I'm, I'm very happy to, to come here and and fill in in a pinch it's a joyous occasion and i'm so happy that you uh you, you consider me for for the task matt and you got a wonderful audience and i i found this evening very very enjoyable well thanks for stopping by and uh, i appreciate uh all your help and uh i appreciate you know being on your show over the years and all that stuff too and and i appreciate our audience in uh giving you a chance to to pinch hit and uh carrying on the show in the absence of uh of the great character that is blonde, but uh, quite frankly, dot TV. If you enjoy, if you're still here after three and a half hours, I assume you enjoyed Frank's contributions to the show. So quite frankly, dot TV is where you find everything Frank and quite frankly related. Appreciate you all for your, uh, your super chats, your chance, your live contributions to the show. Much appreciated. If you, um, if you're listening later on demand, thank you kindly as well. Appreciate you. If you are looking for anything show related, you missed any part of the show. You want to go back listen to past episodes you want to find more to listen to or the rest of the videos i'm posting during the week matt uh, i almost defaulted to matt is i'm just so used to it but uh, you know head on over to the website it's where you find all that stuff um as i mentioned i assume blonde is going to be back on sunday but we haven't had that conversation so hopefully we'll get the birth story 
sooner rather than later, but uh, I'll post the information on that as soon as I get it. Congratulations to Blonde and her family. We'll be back next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, it's not Meet the Press. It is the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a great night.